All right, how's everybody doing? This is, I guess this is episode, we're at like number 10 now, I think, for the live stream show. I should probably figure that out at some point, what number we're on. But uh, today we have uh, Android and Tyler, Darth Pool, otherwise known as Darth Purple, <laughs> in many places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you guys doing? How you been? Good. Getting fat. <laughs> Getting fat. <laughs> That's the, the consequence of, uh, you know, staying at home <laughs> see like for me it's like an excuse that i could use but i don't know if it would have changed <laughs> um yeah I've been, all i do is i do like the daily walks and then the trx at home so yeah um all right so uh i guess i might as well introduce uh anthony here uh so for everyone unaware android is uh a headphone reviewer and he's, I've actually linked his website below, uh, Audio Discourse. Um, and he's, but he's been in the review game for a long time and one of the uh, core members of the uh, headphone community. And he's actually the reason why I'm doing this. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's the reason he, you know, but way back when I was, um, yeah, I was, I guess I was producing a few videos here and there, uh, but I was on mostly HeadFi and SBAF and he introduced me to the headphone community. Uh, and the headphones.com guys and everything there and as a result it's only you know served to kind of empower and uh yeah and motivate me to keep creating more stuff so uh it's his fault that i'm <laughs> doing this <laughs> uh, but you actually can blame rha for that i think we met oh yeah yeah, yeah that's right we can definitely blame rha yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh I, yeah I, I guess uh anthony I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit here uh i wanted to ask you like you know how did you get into reviewing and you know what was your kind of background in this hobby i guess i've been asking all the guests that kind of question so i'll let you uh, take it away from there yeah uh so i let's see i i guess i started uh getting really interested into audio i guess when i was a little kid um my parents um i guess in like the early 90s my my parents started getting into karaoke so they they bought this uh pioneer laser displayer they're like these gigantic CDs essentially, mm -hmm. and um, they got into listening or singing, I guess. And then, um, and one thing, one thing after the other, they kept on bringing home like more audio gear, more audio gear. And so, like one day, we just had cheapo Pioneer speakers, and then it became uh, Carver amps, and then Parasound amps, and Martin Logans, and you know, all the right. stuff and it, it just kept growing and growing. And, and I ended up taking in a lot of that, uh, experience and, and learning that with my dad. And so, yeah, that's how I got into audio anyway. Uh, and I actually don't, I never really liked headphones until more recently. <laughs> um, I, my first headphone was probably, well, I guess growing up I had, um, like the Koss KSC 75 type, whatever the original one was called way back when. Yeah. And then, um, and then I got a pair of Grados, uh, I guess, right after college when I first started working and started using those. And then uh, pretty much was happy with that for a while. And then uh, was really more into home theater and, and two-channel stereo. So I had a, a lot of that type of uh, gear at home. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started dating my, my now wife. <laughs> and she uh, is more, uh, I guess, noise sensitive than I am. So. Uh, headphones became more of a, a thing so uh, I, I started looking around and 
bought a pair of Sennheiser HD 600s and that started uh, <laughs> the rabbit hole. <laughs> I think so like you've described the introduction for I guess apart from the you know your dad being really into it and getting all that that stuff into it but I think for a lot of people the introduction to this kind of stuff is well I, either the Sennheiser and you're not the first person to to say that or at least that I've heard say you know that the Grados were the the introduction and I wonder if that's because of how well they do treble you know response yeah I think well for me I actually never got a chance to demo it um I just you know, read a lot of audio magazines and whether right. or not, whether or not that's a shilling or or whatnot. But Grado <laughs> was always the, I guess, the budget pick. Um, you know, on a limited budget in college, I only had you know, yeah. hundred dollars to spend, and Grado's happened to be, you know, right under right under that. I think I bought the SR eighty, which was right, you know, right right around hundred dollars, and so you know that that was the one I ended up with. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's a uh, bit brighter. I think looking back, I'd like to still buy one again. I sold it a long time ago, but I'd like to buy one just to uh, play around and mod it. Um, yeah, seems like a fun modding headphone. Um, I mean, yeah, because essentially it is just a driver and a pad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I know a lot of people who are, who are doing the you know great mods and stuff like that. Uh, it does seem pretty interesting. Um, it's it's funny because like I think like your description. Uh, it's exactly the way that, you know, when my, I remember like even before I got into doing this kind of stuff, uh, I was always used to, I guess, those consumer oriented headphones that were, you know, super bassy and everything. And then I remember my brother telling me, you know, the, the best headphones he ever heard were, I think it would have been, uh, the, is it the SR80 or something, whatever that one is, the entry level one. The 60s, the entry Or 60, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think, so like, I now I think the only reason why I, I was so impressed by Grados having, you know, after having heard them the first time was because they specifically weren't the super bassy kind of, you know, consumer oriented stuff. And these days I want quite a bit more bass than what those have. So, you know, it's, it's kind of gone a little bit the other way, but it's still, I think a lot of it is, you know, because we're just not used to that. And then when we hear it for the first time, it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot more detail going on. You know, that we might have been used to, or a lot more stuff going on in treble and upper mids. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you've been doing um, IEM reviews for a long time, um, and you're one of the people who, uh, one of the few people who's actually posting uh, somewhat, well, let's say they're, they're accurate measurements. They're not like the mini DSP ears rig measurements. They're, you're actually yeah. using a, a, a coupler there. Um, is that, yeah. Is that in that's an industry standard, industry compliant, like the um, IEC? I can't remember the string of numbers. Uh, six, seven, <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so uh, I want to ask you, like, what's your your review process when you do go into um, well, I, even just for over your headphones as well? Uh, so first thing, I actually don't really like IEMs that much. <laughs> I like headphones <laughs> a lot more. Uh, that's but, my next question. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I end up getting into IEMs just because uh, it just kind of happened. Um, yeah. IEMs are a little bit easier to obtain, mm -hmm. uh, but so my my reviewing process uh, normally I, I uh, you know I open a box, uh, look at the accessories, and then um, listen to kind of a standard playlist for uh, about an hour or so. And mm -hmm. sometimes I actually try to draw the, the measurement by hand, uh, and 
no, just a, more of a game to anything but oh to like test yourself like to yeah, see if it's myself. okay yeah. okay yeah uh i'm usually pretty close but not not always and mm-hmm. um and then i then i'd go in go ahead and measure it and typically i will try to measure an im with uh the standard tip it comes with so typically silicone right and then um i use foam also uh typically foam is a little bit more repeatable uh, if you're most, like when you're personally listening to it do you prefer the foam ones generally or i guess it depends no. on the iam oh okay it depends okay. on you but yeah. very few uh do i do i like foam it's usually if it's really bright or um if it's like a bullet shaped iam like the tin t2 mm-hmm. uh, those ones i need foam just to make it stay in right right um that's really cool that you test yourself with the drawing the the, the frequency response as if that's something that I've um, talked with metal about for metal five seven one about the, you know, for our review process. And, you know, there's something to, rather than looking at a graph and going, oh, here's where the elevations and dips and peaks are or whatever, and just trying to determine it by yourself. And then, you know, in your case, you're able to then, you know, do the measurement and see how correct you were with that, which is pretty cool. What's, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> that's what Ant turned me on to and they're my new favorite tips. Are, uh, Asla Sedna tips, I think. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> I, I need to give that a shot at some point. Um, but uh, it, it is something that, like, doing that kind of exercise and that, that practice of trying to anticipate where, um, you know, the various different deviations might be from a standard target curve, um, it, I, I think it's something that, I can, that can actually improve a person's listening ability because you'll start to recognize these things when they show up. Um, like for me, it's been something where like I can now almost every time identify if something has a 5k hertz peak. Uh, almost every time, because it always has that very distinct kind of sound to it. Yeah. Whereas I think even like, yeah, six months ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But it just comes from doing this kind of guessing and then, you know, checking to see if it's there afterwards. Um, yeah, I, I think there's certain, there's certain frequencies which I'm more sensitive to, at least for IMs, and it's yeah, much easier to detect, you know, there's a dip or not a dip. Yeah. Now, is that more to do, is that to do with kind of like what we were talking about a long time ago with the CL2, where, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's the shape of the, the actual physical shape of the ear canal can have an influence on how sensitive somebody is? Yeah, I think so. Um, but the CL2, I want to get back <laughs> into this opinion, but the CL2 is just way too exaggerated in that area. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like 15, 18 dB at 5K, which is just absurd. Well, like, I would have thought that that was a raw measurement, like, just looking at it. And then when they say it's compensated, I go, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, speaking of, of uh, measurements, what is your, like, say... Well, I have a few questions about that, but if you had like an ideal target curve to go for that, if you can think of an IEM that has the ideal target curve for you, what would that be? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just sent you that, uh, the blessing too. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. The, it did show up by the way. I do have it in the other room. I've already done a, a quick unboxing. So <laughs> sweet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, I, I drew out a frequency response that I thought was good for IEMs. It's more of a I guess slightly above neutral uh, FR, mm-hmm. and um, I measured. Sorry, slightly above being like slightly brighter or slightly more base. Sorry, shelf? Uh, slightly slightly more base. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I guess like I guess to compare it to like the Harman target, it's uh, I think two to four dB less than 
uh, in in base and about two to three less in trouble. So okay, that kind of response and I measured the blessing too, and it was like almost spot on, like plus or minus one or two dB from my my uh, right target. And those are going to oh from the target that you had drawn, it was only just it was very similar to that one. Yeah, if you look at my review, I think I yeah. have a, a a comparison of that. All right, I'll leave it. I'll add it to the description as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so and that's the Harmon over ear target that they're going with. Yeah, it's actually yeah pretty close to the Harmon over ear target. But yeah, it's for IEMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and so okay, so that brings me to the other question I had about frequency response. When you look at uh, this, is something that like if you've been using you know Chronicle's database for a long time or looking at some of your reviews for a long time you uh, get a sense of how the frequency response is supposed to look especially if you have a chance to then try IEMs right so like you look at the way that the U12T measures for example and then you if you've had a chance to try it you know what that sounds like and then you can kind of see okay how does the, how does everything else compare to that um, or you know, pick another, maybe it's the blessing too, right? Or any kind of, uh, let's say you have a benchmark there or a standard that you're comparing things to. But when you're looking at those graphs and you don't have that reference point, do you think that it would be, I, I imagine it's a little bit challenging for anybody coming at it cold without that reference point to be able to get a sense of where the deviations are going to be and how it's going to sound. Do you think it's worth having a kind of, compensation for those uh, measurements the way that they might exist a little bit more commonly for over-ear headphones yeah i think i think it would but i think for me i'm so used to looking at uh raw measurements for iems mm -hmm. now that it's i think changing that right would, be, would need a couple you know a little yeah. bit of adjustment too i think i know like uh headfi and and Crinical are now posting raw measurements for for over ear, yeah. and I I honestly don't know how to read it. it even <laughs> though I can read it perfectly fine for IEMs, it, it it will take probably a little bit of adjustment to get used to it. Right. I it's it's definitely like that for me. Like I think if I were yeah again coming at it cold without any reference point, I'd look at those graphs and go, I don't none of this looks right. <laughs> but because I've done it for so long, I've you know used it for so long, it's just like yeah. okay, here's how this one is going to be compared to that one. Um, yeah, I think, having a target, I, think, I think what ratings does, uh, you know, rting.com, yeah, yeah. uh, they, they post, uh, I think, the Harman target uh, in like a dash line behind the actual measurement, which is pretty useful. I, yeah, and Oratory does something similar. It's not a dash line, but it's like a, it's kind of like the highlighted system, I think. Um, so you can see, you can see the raw measurement, but then you can see where the target goes, where, you know, mm -hmm. where the ideal target goes as well. I kind of like that. Um, actually, with ratings, they recently changed their. It used to be not the Harmon target; it used to be the hybrid thing, right? And now they've changed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And we went back to the regular Harmon now. Yeah, and at first I thought, you know, like it's because I always kind of liked that hybrid target. <laughs> um, but then I, re you know, you you realize that actually the hybrid target sounds way more V-shaped or like bass and treble focused than I think would be um, correct. <laughs> but it's it's only because of, of you know the relative differences in you know diffuse field and and Harman right yeah um, so I think yeah they probably went with the uh, the the more appropriate of the two I guess <laughs> um, but yeah um, 
So, I, yeah, I guess I wanted to ask, like, why you said you don't really like IEMs. Why, why is that? <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, for, first off, I really like putting something in my ear. I mean, I have earbuds on right now, but uh, uh, headphones just give a bigger, I think, bigger, wider, you know, more grand sound overall than IEMs do. Mm-hmm. Um, IEMs will, even, even the most wide IEMs still sound uh, closed, or not closed, but uh, in, in your head. Yeah, yeah. In, intimate compared to uh, a pair of headphones or, or speakers. What's the most uh, wide-sounding IEM that you've had a chance to, to listen to? Um, or spacious, I guess. I think it's hard to say. I think the Z1R, but I, I when I listened to Z1R, I didn't get a very good fit, so that probably made the soundstage sound wider also. <laughs> right. um, I think I just got the Viento B Custom, and... That one has pretty pretty good soundstage. Um, I was listening to uh, Go Go Penguin. I think one of your favorite oh, yeah. bands. Yeah, um, yeah, I love Go Go Penguin. I forgot what it's song well recorded. It was. Yeah, I forgot what song it was, but there was I think the the drummer was making some you know sound, and I I I thought it was my wife like in, in the other room like banging on something, <laughs> and it was actually just a song. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's cool. For me, it's probably either the ones that I've heard at least um, would be the Forte or the um, Legend X, but neither of them were my ideal frequency response. <laughs> but y- you know, there yeah. was still you know you could tell it was more spacious sounding. But um, I mean, you you've said that you don't really like IEMs, and I think everybody kind of like agrees that well, maybe not everybody, but um, I certainly prefer over your headphones as well. But it makes me wonder, you know, you're probably one of the few people who's had a chance to review, well, first, more IEMs than anybody but Critical, basically. <laughs> but then also, uh, you know, being able to get access to stuff like the Hedition Viento and you know, some of the more difficult to acquire stuff out here. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, like... Um, in spite of the fact that you prefer over your headphones, like what's made you go down the IEM review rabbit rabbit hole, I guess? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it just happened. Um, so when I, when I first started reviewing uh, headphones and IEMs a couple years mm-hmm. ago, uh, it started off with just me uh, just getting into IEMs. So before I, I had headphones, I had like Hi-Fi Mans and Sennheisers and whatnot. And um, I started... You know, maybe I should get a, a IEM and try it out. And I think I got, you know, the, the Tin T2 uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess up until that point, I had a, I had a whole bunch, but I could never get them to fit. And I guess I never realized that tip rolling was a thing. So uh, I started doing that, and I was like, oh, actually, these these do fit me, um, even if they they aren't the most comfortable things. And I ended up writing a review, and a couple Chinese companies started. You know, pinging me, saying, "Hey, we have we like the review you wrote. You want to try out some more stuff?" And that, they they end up sending me, uh, you know, Linsol and a couple other companies. They kept sending me stuff to review, and it just happened to be IEMs. So I kept getting a lot of uh, review samples of IEMs. So and, was, uh, through companies reaching out to you, yeah, based on what you're because you were also you also had the uh, the coupler. I didn't have it at the time. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, at the time, the only measurement rig I had was like a, a headphone flat plate 
coupler thing that I made out of a, a bunch of foam, a box, and a CD, a couple CDs. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just followed some, I think, I don't know if it's on Super Best Audio Friends or Headphone, yeah. but someone made something like that, and I just kind of replicated it. And then, cool. uh, then I had many, many DSP ears, and I started doing measurements originally on that with IEMs and, and headphones, but uh, yeah, I didn't really like it too much. And I, no. I really don't use it anymore, even for headphones. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, I keep I keep finding like occasionally there's a headphone that I'll measure on it and then I'll compare it to like uh, an industry standard rig. Mm -hmm. And there are times when it actually lines up pretty closely. <laughs> or, or you know, like if you take the general curve, like obviously there's a few of the artifacts in there, but the general curve lines up pretty closely. And then there's yeah. other ones where it's like, that is not, like, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> it seems you know? to work really well up to about 1K, maybe 2K yeah. at best, and then it just falls off. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it does weird things. especially 4.5K hertz. It's just yeah. broken there. Um, I, but, tried to, I tried to make a compensation curve based on yeah, uh, yeah. using this. And uh, so I measured, I think, five or six IEMs and then measured it on ears, and there was no rhyme or reason. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it doesn't, there's no consistency. Yeah, some yeah. some IEMs would be like heavily treble boosted, like randomly, and some would, yes, uh, yeah. you know, would have no trouble at all, even though they're supposed to. So yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't make any any correlation at all. Yeah, that happened to me with the um, uh, LCD i three, where I was just like, what happened here? Like, it doesn't even look like anything what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sort of stopped. I was like, I can't, I can't you know, measure IEMs until I have, you know, the industry standard system to be able to do that. But yeah, are you getting one? Hopefully, <laughs> if everything works out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. Try and get some more, well, consistency, but also accuracy. Um, yeah, this thing is just a, a fake one. It's a, you know, the $100. Yeah, I saw uh, that one. Yeah. Tell that yeah. One. yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, that a lot of people, anybody who's really doing that kind of stuff with the IEMs, right? That's be way better than the mini DSP ears, Rick. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, okay. I wanted to ask you as well. I mean, I know I've said this to you before, but um, so Android has probably my favorite two headphones, my favorite combination. So like, if I had to recommend like <laughs> buying two headphones, you know, like one open one. Well, you those are both open for you, right? Yeah, these are both open. Yeah, so like I think my preference would probably be. I mean, I haven't heard the Verite closed yet, but I think if I were to do some sort of like two headphone combination, it would be probably the Verite closed and the Hyphaman Aria. But even in this case, the Verite open and the Hyphaman Aria, that's like, yeah, like ideal combination for like planar and dynamic. I think. Um, what what got you to the point where you bought them? Was it just because you reviewed them and then you know you're like I like them so much? Is that how that worked or? Uh, yeah, I don't know how I ended up getting the Verite, to be honest. I think, uh, the Verite came out, I think we, uh, I think I went to, um, Torque's house, Ian, mm -hmm. uh, from headphones.com, and, and Tyler was there too, and I think that was the first time I listened to the Verite. Um, I think actually they had every single CMF headphone available yeah. at that, at that meet. Yeah. And that just happened to be the one I, I liked the most, and... I think the the wood look is just amazing. Um, the the craftsmanship is really really good, and so uh, I came out 
came out of that um, liking it a lot, and then people started getting theirs. So it happened to be kind of uh, a little bit after it came out, and then and then um, you know there's a bunch of delays to get all the, the yeah. customers their verites, and people started getting it and posting pictures, and I was like, oh man, this looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, yeah, I think Tyler got um, the Zero Cody one, and yeah, the, yeah, I got the Aeolus. Yeah, yeah. People kind of posting pictures. I got tempted, and then I, um, I emailed Zach one day, and he happened to have some, uh, some leftover, I guess, uh, early units. So the one I have here is a, is a mahogany. So this is not a production unit. Uh, oh, cool. This was the original. I the original wood. I think he was going to use, and then he ended up going with the yeah the staple here. Yeah. Or yeah, 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 yeah. For Wait, Easter egg? What's that? What's the Easter egg in the middle of your cups? Oh yeah, yeah. The the original ones also have like a little. I don't know if you can actually see that. It's probably too dark. But there's a ZMF <laughs> logo right now. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. So he ended up having a couple of these left over, um, and he he gave me a beast talk pricing for it. So I ended up buying it. Nice, nice. Wicked. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Um, it's actually not the ZMF isn't what I normally. Uh, I guess my preferred signature. It, it doesn't really fall in line with that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a, a bit lot warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit warmer. Um, if if you know me, I don't really like a lot of bass. Uh, the aria is definitely like my preferred signature. Um, I find the the blessing two and the aria to be pretty similar. Interesting. Uh, uh, this one might have a little bit more of a five kp, but yeah, it, I definitely it, noticed that on the yeah. aria as well. Yeah, but. Uh, other than that, it's pretty similar, I think, in, yeah. in, if you want to compare like a headphone to an IEM sound. Yeah. Um, but the, the ZMF just won me over. Uh, it's really, really nice to listen to at night when you just want to relax and chill out and listen to music. Have you tried the Verite on tubes? Yes. Uh, I had it. I had, a, I had the Woo Amp, uh, the Fireflies. Right. Okay. And um, it didn't really sound that great on the stock tubes, but once I upgraded all my all the tubes in it it sounded great it's it's completely changed my perspective on like well i don't know i, I used to always again be that solid state guy right like solid state <laughs> like planars like inefficient planars like let's drive them like crazy balanced and you know the verite with tubes it's kind of been like you know all right let's change the perspective and be like let's figure out how this works because <laughs> it, it's a totally different experience um definitely yeah. makes me like that's the thing is like i I, well, I, I don't actually own that many headphones, but I'm constantly reviewing them, and I always find myself in the evening being like, I just want to go back to the Verite. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, Zach, when he um, designs the headphones, I think he uses a pretty high impedance tube amp. So, And that makes a certain amount of sense, actually, yeah. yeah. The Wu amp yeah. I had was like a, like between 50 to 100 ohms, depending on which switch you use. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. have it anymore, unfortunately, but uh, I have the Shit Saga, uh, which is yeah. a tube preamp. And it's a PG it show. Okay. Yeah, I can't upload this to a podcast now with clean, you know, lyrics because we we talked about shit. Oh, on here. Sorry, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I can't remember what the output impedance is of the pendant. Um, I know one of them is thirty-two. I, no, wait, the low is eight. I think. I think the low is eight. Yeah, but it's funny because like you see two bands go like super high on on impedance, and I think like 
if I hadn't bothered to try that stuff out, I would have looked at that and gone, yeah, but I'm just going to change the frequency response like crazy. And realizing, of course, that that's the point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic on, on tubes. What uh, what pads are you using for the uh, for the Verite right now? Uh, these are the B2, the normal B2 pads. Normal B2s, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been using this, and also I got the the Verite uh, suede open or perforated, sorry. Uh, but I don't think it's on his website yet. No, but... um, he sent me the uh, BE2 suede as well. So okay. there's like a whole bunch of other pads out there. <laughs> like at some point, I don't even know. Like I think it's he's just constantly making more and more pads. And it just, you know, trying out new things. Um, but I actually think that, like, for my preference, the BE2 suede is, is like, because it, it brings up that, um, like, that upper mid-range a little bit more. Mm -hmm. To, you know, like, that section that's a little bit, like, cut out there at around, like, 3K hertz. It brings that up quite a bit um, to be a little bit more in line, I think, my with my preference. So um, I find myself not really EQing it with the BE2 pads. Do you find it warmer at all? Because the Verite suede, I found it to be a bit warmer than the these regular B two pads, which is surprising to me. Oh, we've lost uh, Tyler lost here. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh, he's back. It could just be a dis Discord error. Um, yeah, no, uh, I don't find. What's what's that? Did you did you hear my public service announcement? No. Oh, <laughs> so maybe it's uh, so. Uh, basically, YouTube right now is messed up, but we can't get uh, the live chat's not working properly. So yeah, uh, no, I saw watching. That. Just yeah. isn't awareness. It's where that's a YouTube issue. It seems like with the latest update. So we'll keep yeah. track of it. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. We have lots to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't actually find the uh, BE2 suede to be warmer. Uh, like, do you mean warmer than the regular BE2? Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll have to measure that because I don't, I have the measurements of both of them, but I don't have them compared. So I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at that. Uh, I, I actually think it's pretty close to, it's a pretty similar frequency response to that one. Because you know how, like, if you have, if you take the universe suede and compare that to the universe um, leather, non-suede, mm -hmm. um, the universe suede is definitely brighter, right? Uh, yes, yeah. And so, and I think that would be kind of like my ideal target curve. But I liked the um, drivers being closer to my ears because <laughs> the pads themselves are quite a bit thicker. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so that's why I think the BE two is probably the closest because it has a pretty similar frequency response to that one, but it's then closer to my head. Like the actual cup is closer to my head. And so I get that same kind of feeling that I get with the uh, the Verite pads. So to me, it's right now I'm I'm really liking it. Of course, the comfort is like <laughs> better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the 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 Hi-Fi Man Aria is like, I mean, as you mentioned, that 5K hertz peak there is. Uh, for me, it was something that I did EQ a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, it's solid frequency response, and the performance there is just great i don't know how do you find it yeah i like it a lot um the, i think i don't notice the 5k peak as much i maybe it's just because i'm used to it but uh mm -hmm. i also don't listen super loud i think normally headphones i i listen to about 60 70 max 
um, TV. <laughs> so it doesn't come off as, as shrill as maybe other people might take it. Um, I, I know a lot of people, like the people I've talked to say, oh no, you shouldn't, you know, base headphone on genre of music or anything like that, or tuning on genre, genre of music. But like, I find if I listen to headphones like the Aria or, you know, just brighter headphones in general, like not brighter, but like that, that have a little bit more energy there at 5k Hertz. Mm -hmm. I do not like to listen to anything with electric guitars, but the flip side is like anything with acoustic, you know, uh, pianos and you know, acoustic guitars and um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's awesome with that stuff. So yeah, that, that's why these two complement each other for me. Uh, that's exactly the, yeah. Yeah, the aria is more for acoustic music, you know, mm -hmm. symphony and jazz and uh, acoustic mm -hmm. rock music, and then the verite is for like anything else. Yeah, and they work really well together. Well, you, you, the heaviest death metal. It's perfect. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it actually is. I, not that I, I'm all that into that stuff anymore, but <laughs> um. Have you heard the Verite? I guess you would have heard the Verite closed as well, though, right? Yeah, I, I listened to it, um, I think, at, at one of the headphone.com meets uh, way back Oh, when. yeah, yeah, it would have been uh, the one in, um, that I guess we did at the end of last year, right? No, before that. Uh, it was oh, before, before that, it right? came out. It was when, um, I think, when Ian had uh, right. the demo unit, uh, the pre-release yeah, demo unit. Yeah. I think you and I heard it roughly around the same time, man. Yeah, I think it was the same, same meetup. And then I think Tyler got his uh, his first one. I don't know if he got two of them or not anymore. But then I, I listened to that a couple of times as well. Yeah, I still need to get one of those. <laughs> each time I, I listen to it has been on different pads. So I, yeah, I don't remember which pad is which either because there's so many. Um, and I've been on different systems too. Yeah. yeah. So, Thanks, Tyler, what, what would you say is like the? I mean, I know we've talked about this in the past, but like. Um, just to catch everybody up, but what do you what would you say is like the key difference between the Verite open and the Verite closed? It's it's so slight, but at the end of the day, I think the uh, I think it's the three. It's it's a weird thing to say, but it's the three D factor of the uh, uh, of the Verite closed is it's just more prevalent, and you you pick up more of it. It has more of that sounds like a three D sound stage rather than a out in front sound stage. If that makes sense. Sorry, the close has more of that. Um, yeah, the closed has more of it. It has a, a, a there's a weird presentation of the stage uh, in yeah. imaging, and I think it's for for that it's it's just slightly better. It has a it just separates a little bit better for whatever reason. It seems like to me, um, but it, it's I mean it's pretty minute. Um, it's like I always say to anybody if you're looking at the verite opens or the verite close, go with what's. Um, what you need in that scenario like so right. are you going to be in an office or do you you, you have kids or you did not disturb people then go verite closed if you if you don't you can have opens and go with the opens it's it's that's really at the end of the day but yeah there, i would say though that the verite closed to me is like just i hate giving percentages but like it'd be like a couple percentage points better than the verite open that's right in line with my post recently on the forum <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I, we could talk about that actually. Like, you know, I, I get a lot of those questions all the time in the comments um, for my reviews, just saying like, how much percentage better is this thing over that thing. And I'm actually just working on a video on that right now. But I, I just find it's an impossible question to answer because I might, I like, I actually have a, a general idea of where I think it is. Like the percentage differences, like how much better one headphone is from another. You know, percentage wise for 
detail or just overall sound quality but like i i feel really weird kind of telling somebody else that because so much of it you know like they might go out and then buy it and be like i yeah i don't hear any real improvement and then you know you lied to me <laughs> right that's, that's the thing that people always forget it's like uh and you you had this you had that egghead egghead conversation oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah i love that that was awesome it, like i uh i I enjoy psychology stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, like you have to take into all all of the factors, right? There's other things that are going on in any review. So, Ant, you probably you know this too. Like you could have too much coffee. You could have, uh, you know, environmentally, do. like you know, like there's all those things. And then throw in on top of that all your lifetime experiences, right? So that's as much as that sounds cheesy. It's you, you know everything that I had growing up. Like so, Ant, you're talking about how you got into music, and 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 uh, Andrew, you too. Like same thing. Like I grew up with live music in my house, like pretty much every weekend, or I went to orchestras or concerts or whatever, bars and and uh, and bands all the time. So that factors into how you perceive things too. If that makes sense. So like that, as yeah. you progress in life, your lifetime experiences and all that fun stuff, those all factor into it. And I'm oversimplifying it, but that's something that people don't really account for. Like so in my opinion like so for yeah like so like what you're talking about and then the, the psychology of it you know like so your opinions and for people listening to reviewers from my take of it is is they should look at the people that are closest to their experiences or their expectations and find right. those similarities because then you can have at least a baseline of what you like like so you and aunt both like uh you know more of a trebly higher like a higher um sound profile right like so the the hi-fi man arias the anandas so like you know when you guys are reviewing stuff that that's your preference and so people watching those reviews should take those that into account like so that's my perspective on why sometimes you get those weird people like what oh you offered me the wrong thing well, it's like well what was your actual preference <laughs> you know well i i think also, in addition to that, I mean, you're talking about like the environmental and cultural factors that lead you to be, to have the preferences that you do, which I think are super important uh, to, to take into consideration, especially because, you know, somebody, again, if, if they're only listening to EDM, right, if that's exclusively the type of music that they like, I, I don't know if my uh, frequency response preference is going to line up with theirs. Um, mm -hmm. it, it might, but like it... I can't be as confident about that because I just, I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm just not not as familiar with that style yeah. of music. It's not my my go-to, right? Uh, but the other thing to consider, I think, is like all the different factors that led up to when you were listening to it that day. So you know what time? It's amazing how much of a difference it makes. You know, listening to something at the end of the day from the beginning of the day. I know. I think we've actually talked about this before, but you know, like say you know you just came from the construction site. <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah or you're around kids you know uh yeah it, it it makes a big difference of you know for whether or not you're and i even find like not just difference as far as like preference for tonality but difference as far as whether or not i'm able to um identify uh advantages in you know technical stuff as well like detail retrieval and, and stage and whatever else so it, I almost feel like the best listening gets done in the first half of the day <laughs> for like a reviewer, right? If you're reviewing a headphone. Coffee and... <laughs> yeah. yeah. One, one of the things that kind of related to this, when I reviewed the Odyssey LCDX, yeah. the, the weight of that thing just oh, yeah. made me not like it at all. 
I actually have one here. Yeah. I'm going to be reviewing it as well, so I'm looking forward to <laughs> comparing. Oh, good. Get, get your get your neck ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get some foam yeah. blocks. I had the same problem with the uh, LCDX too. With when I did my and I had it on preview, where like I had tweaked my neck and and I was doing a workout and I tweaked my neck that week and like I remember having that whole week where I was just like. Oh, I had to put this thing on, like, because <laughs> my neck was already like, uh, you know, and it, it definitely colored my event. In fact, I think I even posted after my little uh, impression of it, like, you know, this is, I felt really bad because I knew that, that was, you know, factoring into my perception of the headphone, which. I think you can still make an assessment, though, of like how good the technical performance is and the frequency response, and then still say that you didn't like it. You didn't like the experience, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, for me, it was a little more challenging just because. I, I literally couldn't wear it for more than half an hour at a time. Oh, it, it was just yeah. way, way too painful to wear. Uh, I'm not exactly like the biggest guy, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> wearing that is, is pretty painful. Like the, it's like double the weight of the Aria, for example. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, how do you find the the comfort of the Aria with the, uh, you know, like the huge <laughs> cups? <laughs> it's great. I, I actually yeah. love it. I can wear that all day. I've been using it for conference calls now that I've been working from home like eight hours a day. No issues at all. Yeah. How how big is the Ananda comparatively to the Aria? Is it the same? Well, the cup. Yeah, the cups are the same the size, but the the headband is different. So the headband style yeah. for the Aria is the one that does have swivel. So yeah. like I imagine actually that the uh, see like this thing though for me the aria like no matter what i did i couldn't get it to fit right as far as like the optimal position for the cups on the side of my ears because of you know where the headband extension was it just didn't it just didn't it was either too high or too low and i kept having to like readjust it and then somehow with the ananda it just sort of worked there i don't know but they they have also from what i understand they have also changed the they've improved the yoke structure there yeah um so do yeah, you have, have the one that's the new one I, yeah, this is, it feels like it's reinforced a lot better. I used to have the AG560, yeah. um, which oh, used yeah. the same headband, but the yoke here um, was just injection molded plastic. And it looked like there was a space, like when it broke, it broke three times. <laughs> when oh, it gosh. broke, it looked like there was supposed to be something in the middle because there's all, it's yeah. hollow. And right. uh, yeah, so it broke three times. And um, I ended up getting a 3D printed version of this yoke, so I still have that headband sitting in the in a drawer somewhere. But it looks like on the new version they put a steel reinforcement strip uh, all the way along yeah. the, the yoke, which is yeah. probably the hole is supposed to be for. <laughs> yeah, there's that diagram that they post on their like marketing materials where you, it does like the cross section of the yoke, and you can see it's like got the reinforced piece in there. I don't know if that's actually what it looks like, but yeah, I imagine they did improve it a lot. Um, it improved the. Uh, the failure rates on it because like for everybody those things were breaking like even the he400i and all those yeah it, it like actually feels point. different too like the original one it felt like plastic and was yeah you know warm to touch this this feels cool to the touch to me one of the so. cool things actually that i i realized well i didn't realize it until recently but what you can do is if you have an ananda you can actually or even a sandara probably is you can get that headband right is that you can get like the yeah Probably and just then pop it here. These look because those are yeah, just yeah. I, I'm not 100 sure they fit. I guess I'll need. I have an extra one downstairs, but I believe the um, this shape right here is slightly different. But I'll oh, is it okay? Because yeah. the I saw some photos of some people doing it, and I wasn't okay. sure. 
if they did it with the new one, like the new headband or the old one or how they did it. But there's definitely photos out there of like people having an Ananda with the other style of headband, which to me, like, you know, previously when I first reviewed the Ananda, like almost a year ago, um, I found that the pad pressure, like on my jaw was just too much. And I don't know, like nothing changed in the frequency response. Like I couldn't tell there's any difference, but maybe they did make the pad angle a little bit more extreme on that one too. So like, cause the Sundara was definitely a lot more comfortable the second time around that I tried it and they changed the angle of the pads. And I wonder if they did that with the Ananda as well, but I couldn't compare cause you know, I didn't have the old one there as well. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no actual like sonic changes, thankfully, mm. but um yeah um if you were to uh so for other other uh pieces of setup equipment you're using the uh you said the woo audio fireflies right i actually don't have them anymore oh, um, okay. so I, what do you I, use now as your i've gone to uh an appropriate word stack of stuff <laughs> uh <laughs> you can say it <laughs> so i have a, a shit bifrost 2 um the jotunheim Saga Plus, and I also have an Asgard Three, but it's in a different room now. The the Bifrost Two uses uh, Tyler. You were talking about this uh, in a recent one, but the Bifrost Two, that's apparently one of the better DACs out there that you can get, like for the money, right? Like that's right. How how much is that? I think it's like it's less expensive than the RME ADI Two, right? Yeah, it's like six seven hundred dollars. I think. I think yeah. I got it cheaper because I bought it with the bundle with the Jotunheim R. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, as far as like bang for your buck, like it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm trying it's to, I struggle to find one that, yeah, that would even remotely come close to it. Like, cause it competes yeah. with the RME and the RME is already like, yeah. you know, punching way above its uh, weight I class. Sold, I sold the RME after I got the Bifrost too. <laughs> there you I, go. I, I haven't been using the RME. Uh, I only turned it on recently because uh, I have this weird issue. I was talking to you, Andrew, about it. Like, yeah. I can't get my mic to work oh, with yeah. my, my Bifrost for some reason. Uh, this specific mic only. Uh, so I turned on the RME. I was like, oh, wow, I forgot how good the RME is. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. I might regret my, myself. <laughs> well, it's all about the... Uh... <laughs> like the, the DQ that you get on it, I think there. Are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, in the that's... in the in the pretty pictures. The pretty yeah. pictures is what I have it for. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I I have it for the pretty pictures. But I put it actually to the standard. And... <laughs> the newer one uses the FS uses the 4493, whereas the mm -hmm. older one uses the 4490. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I, okay, like that's stuff that I don't I don't know where the tangible difference shows up there. I mean, they post like it has better you know signal to noise and all this stuff, but like I don't know if that's tangible the way that you know implementation matters you know yeah i don't think so. I, I mean uh i think that it's there i mean there's obviously that goes back to that measuring versus you know can you actually hear the difference type of stuff um, yeah it but it the, the the issue is that almost every time that i've heard a deck or that i've evaluated a deck that has a newer chip i've preferred it with the newer chip almost every time there's been exceptions but yeah you know like um, well, when I tr you know tried the DAC with the forty four ninety seven, I was like, oh yeah, this, this sounds great. But then I'm thinking to myself, it's probably more to do with the amplifiers or that's being used in the because it was an all in one system, right? And less actually about the DAC making a difference there. But I do know the manufacturers care about this a lot, and to the point where like some of the guys were telling me um, at Canjam, they're like, yeah, we ha we had to delay the release of a product because a new DAC chip came out from whatever company it was, I don't remember. 
and you know we had to redesign oh, yeah. it because we had to implement the newer DAC because everybody wanted the latest and greatest DAC chip. Mm -hmm. So yeah, whether or not it actually makes a difference, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing. Like you have to train your ears so well. You have to have. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm not. I I can. I just started being able to really hear a true. Like once you actually have it, then you can start hearing it. You know, but uh, it's so tough to convey that difference in in a review of a DAC. I mean, yeah. you guys know, like yeah. it's like it, it, I think uh, Ian mentioned it a while back or Torque, and it was like you you tend to over exaggerate those differences just to get the point across because it's so minimal. Um, yeah. But I, there is a difference. I mean, yeah, I think the best way to test that is to go from a Saber DAC to an AKM DAC yes. to a Burr Brown, and then Saber DACs, kinda, you know, yeah. they're bright and or well, bright. Analytic, <laughs> and, analytic. Yeah. <laughs> And then you got the AKMs, which have the smoother sound signature, and then you have the Burr Browns, which are might as well throw butter and caramel in a pan and add some milk and drink it. And out. <laughs> but um, but you know that's I don't know that's and that was the other thing actually going sorry I'm gonna interrupt the flow no. a little bit um, but that's something else that's kind of interesting to me is like you throw that stuff in there like uh, going back to a previous conversation where it's uh, your expectations of things um, mm -hmm. or your understanding of things. So that goes to the experience, right? So someone has their, they just bought a HD 600 and they've had it for years. Um, how, how do you convey that 600 compared to something else that they never experienced it, right? So that's what a lot of people are going to reviewers for, but it's the reviewers have all these experiences already. So they, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to convey that in a way that someone that's never had them understands it. I'm, Probably you're explaining this wrong, but like no, but you're so that's that's exactly what I'm working on a video right now where that's that's the point is that like all of the different um, expressions of experience that we have are related to different, you know, um, you know, like the highest end for me might be like Sisvara, right, or something like that. That's what everything is relative to, right? Because yeah. we've had all those experiences, we know where everything kind of falls in relation to each other obviously you, you want to have them side by side to be able to like get yeah. everything and be sure about it but like you know knowing what's possible uh for you know soundstage or detail or you know um that euphonic quality of the zmf headphones i, I okay what do you guys think the term euphonic how, is there a better way to describe this because i've been struggling with it like, right? how do i how do i communicate that <laughs> what do you think android I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that's a it is a specific thing there. Maybe it's related it's to It's a decay. euphoria for your it's a sonic yeah. euphoria for your ears. <laughs> yeah, I mean but then like that description makes me think like every headphone that's good yeah. should be a euphoric experience <laughs> yeah. for your ears. <laughs> I don't like the term musical leader, but I end up using it. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I'm with you, I'm with you with that one. Yeah. And maybe okay, like there used to be a bunch of uh I know um Aornic, and who's now Acorn Audio used to do used to talk about liquid mid-range a lot and I, and I wonder if that's you know another way of describing the same thing <laughs> maybe Jude, Jude Collins just came up with comments like yeah how do you explain a color to someone that's never seen that color ever like a colorblind person the color you know <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> yeah um this gets into the question of some of the philosophy stuff that we were getting into in that yeah. thread which is uh everybody can go and read that if you guys yeah, want to it's a good one get into some yeah really annoying uh, isms um but uh but yeah um so okay we just went over this the source gear oh yeah i wanted to ask the dac specifically in the in the bifrost too 
Um, mm-hmm. I, so I know it's a custom one. We talked about this before, but is it different from the DAX that... So, like, you know how if you get a shit audio amp or... of, Yeah, you can get, like, a DAC set piece in it, mm-hmm. right? You get the, the one that's in the Bifrost 2. The... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the DAC that's in the Bifrost 2, it's it's, it's its own thing, though, right? Yeah, yeah I, if I remember correctly, it has a... But, they, you know, they have a true multi-bit. They rebranded their uh, yeah. R2R stuff yeah. to multi-bit. And I think it's a different version than the one you can upgrade the old Bifrost with. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think it's kind of misleading because they're called true multi-bit, but they're actually different decks. And there's okay. Wasn't it something along the lines of like it was more similar to what the the old Yggdrasil? I'm saying that horribly is too. I think like it's a... the same deck as the uh, Gunnir. Thank you. Yeah. There's one of it. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so and I'm sure that this won't measure as well as you know op amp based systems. Or yeah. like not op amps for amps, but like you know what I mean, right? For non-discrete yeah. components. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I, I I believe the uh, Socrus uh, R two Rs measure pretty well, so mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think it's impossible. Oh, okay, then that's good. Um, I guess we we probably need to get one to the other the other forum to take a look. Oh at yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, like I don't know, I, I I do find it useful for making sure that things aren't you know as Metal said, making sure that they're not broken. But beyond that. Like I, I always think like shit audio has been the best at, at um kind of flying the flag in that area, demonstrating that, you know, it's not all down to you know, just the measurement that's stuff. Nice, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I wanna point out. Like uh, you know, I people know me for measuring like IEMs and whatnot, but I don't mm-hmm. take I, I take that maybe fifty percent, not not a hundred percent. Right. Like you're not gonna use it as a substitute for um yeah. actually listening to yeah 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 well, okay I, I wanted to ask you we can get into some of the technical discussion stuff um but uh there's this uh, idea that uh, metal and i've been kind of talking about um and it's i'm sure you've heard of it before but it's it's the idea that certain th- certain things that we talk about when it comes to technical performance like detail retrieval or you know um speed or something else all that stuff is actually maybe captured by frequency response but we don't know where to look for it do you think that it's possible to identify that stuff by looking at a more fine-grained um measurement do you think it's something that is actually captured by frequency response and we just aren't paying attention to the right thing and then in the future maybe we can identify that a little bit more easily or is it something independent of the measurement entirely yeah no really i I know i know i've watched your your videos i've never really spend a lot of time really thinking about that. Um, you know, a lot of the graphs that are posted are smoothed out. Um, yeah, Sometimes exactly. really, really smoothed out. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of little jaggedies. Uh, if, you, if you actually look at the raw measurement, un, unsmoothed raw measurements, then yeah, maybe there's something in there. Um, a lot of the things that I, a lot of things that people, at least from my experience listening to, um, like IEMs and headphones, I, I think personally for me, IEMs are easier to to listen and hear differences, mostly because it's completely isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the things I like, if you listen to some $100 or maybe $50 IEM and it measures really, really similar to something that's like $1,500 or something like that. Um, if you look at a graph, you'll, you'll think they sound the same, but there's a lot of little uh, minute details that you you get with the higher uh mm-hmm. you know the higher price stuff like a lot of it is 
I believe more in like the harmonics, like the like like second how, harmonic kind of stuff. Yeah, like how how like a cymbal crashes or mm. uh, like all the little the resonance of that sound that is missing on a a, a lower priced IEM or headphone mm -hmm. that you you capture with a higher priced product. Oh, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, resonances. But wouldn't that also then be captured by the frequency response? I was having a, I was talking to some, somebody else about this as well, uh, making a similar point. But like, wouldn't wouldn't then the resonances also show up in the frequency response and then completely be obscured again, depending on, on the smoothing? Because as you're saying, yeah. like if you just post a measurement without smoothing, like the problem with doing that is like for us, we don't want to do that necessarily because you know if we have if there's any imperfection in our measuring measuring environment, there's a chance that it, that could be what it is. And so it doesn't look very good. <laughs> it doesn't look clean, but maybe that's where it actually is. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't really know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's a frequency response really just shows your peak, your mm -hmm. peak uh, SPL decibel level. Mm -hmm. And that might cover up some of the other stuff too, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, and, and that also goes along to the idea of um, when we're doing sine wave sweeps, it's only playing one tone across one frequency band at one point. Mm -hmm. It's not actually playing multiple tones at the same time. So we don't, like, and if you're listening to music, you're getting, like, lots, right? Mm -hmm. So you might get a general curve and get a sense of how that one tone goes for SPL, but it, you don't know necessarily, like, um, if it's going to be perfectly represented you know, in the music yeah. as well. Some of the other stuff that I, I've kind of looked into, but not too hard, mostly because I don't trust the measurements. It's like the decay and... Um, CSD and all that stuff? CSD, yeah, stuff like that. But I don't trust my measurements enough to, <laughs> to use any of that. But, yeah. you know, there, there is some, you know, correlation, like very, very high-level correlation that I've seen in, like, um, yeah, decay of, like a, like, a DD versus a DA, for example. Interesting. Uh, but it's not something I would post because I don't trust the data. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's that same thing with like, even Kryn was talking about how there's no other way to explain a lot of this stuff right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe CSD is just frequency response, but at the same time, like, I, I, like we don't know the value of it yet. I'm intended to agree with uh, Metal on that. Like at, at the moment, I don't think it's um, something we can reliably use. But it'd be nice if we could find something like that, because then I could say, you know, this quality in the ZMF Verite that I'm calling euphonic is maybe the result of certain CSD characteristics, or I don't know, yeah. something like that. But um, we got to get more uh, en engineers on to <laughs> to answer that. I think. Um, okay, uh, I guess we could move on to. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about. Um, yeah, you're saying BA versus DD IEMs. Um, so oh, bone conduction, he's nice talking about Oh, yeah, yeah, bone conduction. <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, yeah. Even like electrostatic and IEMs and all that stuff. But for, oh yeah, you've got the unique melody messed around, don't you? Yeah, I need to try that. I heard that was, uh, so I was supposed to be on the review tour for that, but I don't know what happened with it. I think they're still touring, um, but it's it, it was starting in New York, so it's making its way over here. Mm -hmm. I think you're, you're after me on that tour. Okay, cool. But, Right, just go me, Tyler. Uh, well, I was gonna say, Ant, like for for your um, thought process, I put the Pentacon uh, cable on it, and uh, I don't know, like I'm not an IM guy, so like, but to me, it seemed like the extra power gave it. Uh, it just seemed it got brighter to more, me. More bone conducting. 
<laughs> more bones are being conducted. <laughs> My brain rattled a little bit more. Uh, but it's um, it's it's interesting because the it, it seemed with the Pinnacon it got brighter, even though it still has that it has that basiness to it that it's um, that was weird with the warmth it has. But it seemed with the Pinnacon it got darker or what have you. Well, what was the source you're using? Uh, just the AK or sorry, the AO one module and the uh, N six okay. II can. Um, so I wonder if it's just a difference in the, uh, you know, the amp. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't know. It's I'm 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 not a measurement guy, so I can't really <laughs> dive. Do into we it know much, if but... if that uh, the unique melody messed? Uh, I think I'm saying that right. I don't know if yeah, that because you know how like the Andromeda will change dramatically depending on the impedance, the output mm -hmm. impedance of the source. And then if you go to a balanced output, there's a chance, there's a, especially for a lot of those players, the balanced output has higher output impedance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's double. Yeah, and that's so that could happen. So, but if it if it is sensitive to output impedance, right, yeah. then that would definitely explain why. And it didn't yeah. seem as sensitive to it as the Andromeda's, but it definitely. Uh, I mean, those <laughs> uh, which my I randomly let my wife use and. I haven't gotten them back yet for my golds, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I might those might just be hers now. <laughs> um, so, with the Andromeda, though, I mean, I I heard Anthony likes it at six ohms output impedance. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe three to six. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I actually have an upcoming podcast on that on that oh, cool. uh, IEM. Um, it's not going to be a it's probably gonna get like ten thousand down votes on Reddit, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So when I tried the Andromeda, I didn't I didn't like it at all. And when I when I used it with like a, a low impedance source, right. And then I started using uh, IE Match, which gives it about three ohms. Two, yeah, yeah. Two point seven or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that made it a lot better. Um, and then at the time, my DAP was a Pioneer uh, XDB three hundred R, and Using balance, I believe it, it's around five to six ohms, and I think it sounded best with that. Um, <laughs> it, it does make it brighter um, and definitely a lot, a lot less bass. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just for me the Andromeda is, is missing the entire mid range, and that's that's a problem for me. I see. I don't mind that as much as I mind the treble, the slight treble like peak that it has. I again, I I don't, I can't quite place where that is, but. Um, it just doesn't sound as smooth as like you know the U12T's treble, um, even though it's yeah, like not yeah. super bright. Like it's not like that Zeus 14 thing. But... Oh yeah, that being <laughs> yeah. piercing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, I remember I used the Andromeda off of the IFI Nano, uh, IDSD Nano Black Label, mm -hmm. and they have the IE Match port on that as well, and that gives it about a 4.5 ohm output impedance, and to me, that was the biggest disappointment with the Nano was because, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, whoa, like it's meant for IEMs, but when you plug IEMs in, there's no bass because <laughs> the output impedance. But obviously not all IEMs react the same way that the Andromeda does, right? Like it's, yeah. especially like a lot of the, you, you know, the 64 audio stuff uses their linear impedance design as well. So it doesn't, it, it's not impacted by that either. Yep. So. Yeah, that one, I actually measured the U12T at 75 ohm output impedance and it's oh, exactly the same that's so, crazy what did you yeah. have that was 75 ohm open? was it the tube app no uh, i actually have an adapter for like the edemotic oh, okay um, right it's like an edemotic little adapter and it yeah 
It, it works. I, I measured a whole bunch of IEMs, and some of them look scary. <laughs> really, I, really I wonder, scary. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how the Andromeda would do on a 75 ohm put a beaten source. Yeah, that's crazy. That'd be, that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so okay, so continuing on with with IEMs, um, with um, so with balanced armature versus dynamic drive. I mean, yes, there's obviously other stuff like the bone conduction of unique melody mist and electrostatic stuff, and, but um, do you have a preference for, you know, or is it hybrid or what's, what would you say, or, you know, tubeless, if it's BA, <laughs> what's sort of the, the go-to well, for you? I mean, the two top little line IEMs I have are both multi-BA. So mm -hmm. maybe I have a preference there. I mean, my, my ideal would be to get a dynamic or sorry, a hybrid dynamic and BA. Yeah. Cause that gives I, you yeah. the, the, you know, the, the best of both worlds. Exactly. Get the, yeah. the nice base with the resolution at the BA. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's nothing really good <laughs> that that's that's in the the hybrid um, form factor, I guess. The the only ones that I've tried and liked enough, uh, maybe it's only just the Solaris, but the the Solaris was way too big for me. Um, I bought the, it and then ended up selling it a couple months later. Physical size of them, and yeah, they... yeah. Um, and then the the Sony IRZ1R, um, that's also uh, way too big. Um, right. So, the issue with that one is if you don't get good fit, then it's extremely bright. Mm, uh, okay. I think Critical has a post on it on on his website uh, with a graph showing different insertion insertion depths. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, I I was if you look at his graph, there's a yellow graph. That's probably what I was hearing, where you get this gigantic eight eight or nine k peak. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it it just sounded disjointed and really bright for me mm -hmm. um uh, yeah what did you have a chance to had a chance to try the uh tia trio i did try that briefly i think at one of the meetups that we had and um it was okay it, it didn't sound really correct to me so that's why i didn't really it's more like of it. v-shape than uh <laughs> yeah than the it's a little bright as well yeah sorry is your the other one that you have the u12t or I have the Viento. Oh, the Viento. And, okay. And the VX, QDC and Anole. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's Anole. Is that how you yeah. say it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I keep calling it Anole. Anole. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so it happens to be the you're saying it happens to be the case that you know the ones that you uh, you actually end up owning are the uh, you know multi BA ones. Yeah, I um, think for whatever reason, it it seems like the the hybrid market. Mm -hmm. they, they can't get it completely right and, and the yeah. ones that are right are just ginormous but maybe it's hybrid... because they need that bigger chamber to get the DE to work correctly right but but the hybrid would still be the best of like if we could get a hybrid that would be you know we get the best of both worlds right yeah get the base slam and the uh, all the detail for everything else yeah i mean like the, the blessing too i sent you i sent you actually like three hybrids uh this week yeah yeah the do new um, hybrids as well yeah, yeah. I think for me personally, that price range is probably okay to have. Um, it's what three to three to five hundred dollar range because um, they actually fit me. They don't, you know, they're not flagship mm -hmm. level, but they they do the job. Right, right. Um, you so you liked obviously the Dunu Luna, which is a dynamic driver. Pure, it that one's pure beryllium, right? Yeah, pure beryllium. Um, I wanted to ask what you think of pure beryllium dynamic driver IEMs compared to 
the kind of like high-end multi-BA stuff as far as like detail goes. Like, so if you were to compare something like either the VN2 or the, the Enola or the, um, the VX or the um, U12T with something like the Dunu Luna for, for just for like detail capability, like, do you think that there is still an advantage for multi-BA IMs as far as that detail is concerned? I, I actually, yeah, I was really surprised with the Luna. Um, I think I didn't do a great job of doing a, a AB comparison between the two because I had a very limited time with the Luna. It was a, mm -hmm. a story in it. Uh, but I think it's pretty close to the top of the line BAs, but not quite there. I, I think like the the mm -hmm. QDC VX uh, still beats it in terms of technical performance and uh, and detail retrieval. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, the I think going back to Luna, the, the Luna had uh, has it's kind of in between like a traditional DD and a BA sound. It's not. You, if you're expecting it to have like, you know, the nice natural decay, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. quite have that. It's a little bit faster, um, right? Uh, yeah, uh, but it also has a, a very sharp 5k peak too. So right, if you don't like that. You're you're gonna you're no, gonna... yeah. Well, I notice it. I don't know if it's. I, I'm not super bothered by it all the time, but I, I do notice it. Um, mostly, just, I notice it in like symbol hits and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, like the reason why that's an interesting, I guess, question for me is because of like this is the yeah like the the A eight thousand from Final Audio with the pure beryllium as well, and it seems like that's so now there's a couple of manufacturers who are doing you know single dynamic driver pure beryllium IEMs, and I do wonder like where is like is there a limit to what's possible with dynamic drivers and and for, for in IEMs. And is that limit still below what the best you can do with BAs is? Because, you know, like, I've always thought of that comparison between BA and um, dynamic driver uh, IEMs as being kind of similar to the comparison between planars and dynamic drivers and over-ear headphones. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not the same because with planars, like, yeah, it's a different sound from BAs. Like, you don't get quite the same kind of tightness uh, that you do with planars. But that distinction where you know if you look at like the super high end i know tyler doesn't agree with me here but <laughs> the super high-end headphones like the susvara and the lcd4 and the ab 1260 60c and all this stuff <laughs> you know the 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 planars in my opinion they, they are able to do more there for detail and the best we've gotten for detail for dynamic driver iems is uh is the utopia which is pure beryllium and that's kind of why i'm i'm wondering like do you think that you know for dynamic driver iems and pure beryllium is that kind of the limit that we get to? Is it still a little bit shy of what the best that's possible in, uh, you know, like tubeless BA, for example? Sorry, I, that's a long-winded question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. Like, at that. Uh, but, uh, I will, I will make some assumptions on what you just said because I don't remember everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, so first off, there's a here's planar uh, IEM suit like this one. Yeah, which one is that? Sorry, okay, yeah. This is a unique melody uh, ME one. Okay. I don't recommend anyone buying it, to be honest. But <laughs> okay, uh, it requires a lot of of EQ, just like any. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, planar uh, IEMs. So far, I've been I've had mixed experiences with, as yeah. you know. <laughs> you, you you have to have equalizer, otherwise you're you're not yeah. gonna like your life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, like, uh, I'm a materials engineer by trade, so uh, new materials are always something that I'm, I'm developing or, or looking at working with other companies for. So I think there's, I don't think we've tapped everything yet. 
I just mm -hmm. I think there's still optimizations that could that could happen um, with metals. There's always new alloys popping up that that mm -hmm. takes the best of both worlds, and you can combine and mix things to make something that you want. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I also think like the IEM shell design makes a big difference on how uh, you know how stuff sound. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's still work involved in or work that needs to be done to improve like beryllium drivers or any other you know dynamic uh material right i so like maybe dynamic driver can get there uh for detail retrieval can, can get to the level of you know multi-bas like the high-end ones as well it's just maybe we're not there yet yeah i mean i was working with like a company on a co on like a work-related project but it was they were at a trade show, they were showing off like uh, you know their carbon fiber uh, dynamic drivers that were like you know, this big, like a tweeter, right. and mm -hmm. you know that, that stuff. That stuff is still being developed, and it's ultra thin, high stiffness uh, mm -hmm. materials that you know can help get that good dystonic, um, you know, movement that you need to, right. to control have a really good controlled sound. And right. so I think there's a lot of stuff out there being developed that we just don't know about or or it's still out there to be developed. Speaking of new technologies, did you get a chance to try out the head audio headphone? No, that's not, uh, I haven't tried it yet. Okay. Just cause that, I mean, that's, you, you mentioned like the pistonic movement there for the diaphragm and that's one that doesn't have pistonic movement. It's got that breathing movement rather than the, the, the pistonic movement. But, uh, I also think that's a, it's a very large and heavy headphone. So maybe you wouldn't have the greatest <laughs> time with that one. Yeah. Um, I think there's a right. tour. There's a tour available. I might try to join. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, was that Tyler? I would say that. I think Ant would like the SR1A. I do like it. <laughs> it's controversial, but I do like it. Uh, yeah. Why, why is it controversial that you like it? I, no, not that I like it. I think that there's oh, okay. a very mixed, mixed feeling in the community about mm. about how it sounds. Right. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, yeah. is what well, it is. I, I mean, I should. I showed some pictures of it to my girlfriend and she laughed for like 15 minutes straight. So, I mean, maybe it's controversial for that reason as well. Yeah, I don't know if my, my wife would approve. Yeah, my, my wife walked in on me the other day with it. I was like, what the? You You're wearing a cheese trigger on your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I still need to play around with some, with that, uh, the SR1A. Like, I, I, the only experience I had was at that um, meet with you guys um, where I tried um, Tyler's. So, well, sorry, what was that? I missed the... I think that was the Jotunheim R. That was the comp yeah. I have currently, but it was the demo unit, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you, have you tried the new amp they have, Tyler? The HS1A HS or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't. I've been wanting to try it. Uh, that one's weird for me because I'm waiting on uh, a couple more people's reviews of the headphone out on it. Um because if the headphone out was as good as the SPL Fonder X, which is my current set standard for solid states, uh, I was thinking about just getting rid of the Fonder and just having that as a single desktop type setup, and then also the 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 R and stuff. But it seems like it's still on the fence with that one. So, but it is supposed to be the the best eight, uh, SR1A driver though. So, mm. but we'll see. Maybe I mean, if, maybe if Tort gets it, I'll I'll see if I can sneak to his house when this whole crazy stuff's over and <laughs> yeah. try it out. The SR1A is really interesting to me because I think like disregarding the way that it looks, 
um, <laughs> or like the form and fit and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I love that stuff that like is kind of groundbreaking as far as headphones goes. And I want, it makes me wonder like, you know, um, if, if it actually is again, like I, I need to actually evaluate it at home to be able to understand, you know, everything, but, um, you know, if, if that's a way forward for like, you know, the next step, right? Cause like back in, if we think back in like 2010 or even earlier when planar magnetic headphones were, you know, f first becoming a little bit more common now it's like, you get planars like everywhere. Right. And we have, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be another next step for this kind of stuff as well, I imagine. And I could see something like the ribbon driver being, or even, you know, like what, what head audio is doing with the AMT driver. You know, I could see that kind of stuff being implemented as well in more common or more commonly in, in different designs. So I'm excited for that reason, for like technological advancement reasons. Um, but yeah, as far as like using it as a regular headphone, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I also don't want to like completely change my whole setup just to have mm -hmm. one. One head, whoa, where's the camera? There it is. One, yeah, one headphone. Yeah. Right, because you it requires the different, like it requires um yeah there's an MR. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so but but with that being said, unofficially, if you were to look at the back of an HS one A, you will see a wonderful Easter egg that I believe Mr. Cypress found on the forum. Uh, so unofficially, there is a circumoral. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Out. So, oh, wait, uh, he found it on the back of the amp. It's, yeah. So <laughs> on the back of the amp, there's a little thing that mentions circumoral on output. So, uh, there's that, and I think it's a kind of like one of those open yeah. secrets that it, they're working on it. So it's not official, but it's. I think they're trying to figure out a way to make a, a circumoral um, SR1A. So I don't know why I care, but for some reason, if they're able to do that, I'm on board completely <laughs> i don't know like yeah it, it doesn't it shouldn't matter right like well, it does it does matter i think this aesthetic is a piece of that equation we yeah. were talking about earlier right like yeah, your yeah. biases and, and people's experiences and that stuff not your specific biases i'm saying bias in general um that factors into it but mm -hmm. um another thing too is like i think personally why i never really bring up the sr1a as like a headphone per se is i don't really think of it as a headphone i think of it as like if you take mm -hmm. near field speakers and then <laughs> put them on your head that's what it is so i don't if in that situation though i mean if that's the case i wonder does i mean this again might sound a little bit stupid but like would something like the room matter the room that you're sitting in to listen to if it's that open if it's actually producing sound that you'd be able to hear at a distance i think it would matter wonder, more of this or yeah something like that like the I exactly like, what's yeah. in closer proximity behind you would factor more into that because it is yeah. I mean, depending on how you have the flaps, I mean, you can bring the flaps completely out like this and look really ridiculous. Um, yeah. uh, and, <laughs> it's and, like, and, but the soundstage goes like you're in a live venue like crazy, like it's so wide. But uh, and then, or you can bring them super flat and you get the bass back, you know. So that's that, that's kind of the, the trade off that you're doing with the SR1A is the flaps really let you narrow in. It's like ZMF, your like pads, right? You can mm -hmm. take the pads and get them to what you want. More or less, the, the flaps basically allow you to, to scope in on what you actually prefer sound-wise. Makes me um, think of airplanes and adjusting the flaps for drag. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what it is. I was talking to, to Torque about it, and I was like, to me, the SR1A is kind of like, you know, you have headphones like the ZM, like these, right? These are what I would call like... Uh, 
a Bentley or like a, you know, like a handmade, beautiful car. And, you know, it's just a beautiful piece of equipment. Handles well, does really good. The Bentley, you know, like a, that kind of thing. Or like a Ferrari, that kind of stuff. Um, or like full calibre a Ferrari or like whatever. Um, and then you take the SR1As and it, it even screams it. It's These are the F1s of the audio world, if that makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, they're built for sound, not for aesthetics, not for anything else. It's about getting the getting the, the optimal performance that they think is optimal performance out of it as possible, if that makes sense. And so, so what's the Rolls Royce? <laughs> Rolls Royce. Uh, I'm going to go with the closed back purples. Okay, GMS. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, not the Utopia. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's actually yeah. a pretty fair point. That's probably yeah. a fair point. Probably the Utopia would be. But to me, the Utopia is even more of a Ferrari than, like, that's like the La California or the uh, it's, it's funny because you're, you're describing French headphones in terms of Italian cars. Italian, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because, like, the Ferrari has, like, the carbon fiber and, like, the it's all perfectly made. And, like, I don't know, that, to me, like, the Folk House screams that. Um, <laughs> Just getting back to the flaps thing. Have you guys seen what... <laughs> Critical did with the um, the HE one thousand. Yeah, I tried it. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're the one who posted the picture. Yeah. Or wait, you're, yeah, you, you were there with it. This, and then you uh, let me do this right. You kind of hold it out like like this. <laughs> I guess you can do that with the Aria, but you couldn't do that with the Ananda because the Ananda's got the fixed headband with no swivel. Oh yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I, I think he mentioned that it only works well in these these like teardrop shaped. Um, yeah. Top shape ones, it doesn't really work that well, like a Sandara. So, so that makes sense because same thing with these. If you think about it, um, it's the let me cable all the way. Um, it's because the presentation now is becoming more natural to your ears as a speaker. Does that make sense? Like it's entering your ear nap more naturally. The sound. Right, but with the with the HE one thousand, it, it's the opposite because you get more base as a result of i think it has more to do with the fact that it's the planar right because if you have oh, mm -hmm. with the planar if you move it further more. away you you actually get more base as a air, result air, of that. air pressure yeah maybe uh Sorry. yeah i'm not, I'm sure not measuring, measuring person so I'm, I'm just i think it would have to do with the way that the sound waves are created by the drop by the transducer like it you know um again i don't know enough about the sr1a to, to to say that it wouldn't work there but the idea is to get more of the slam back right like that's why he did mm -hmm. it was to get the um some of the punch and impact and you're saying it does work with the aria as well right yeah it it, it surprised me yeah <laughs> yeah it's i not remember like with... it's not gonna like blow your head off or anything no like a, like a but that is the that is the downside with the teardrop shaped hi-fi man all pretty much all of them they don't have all that much slam no and and so if you but like some people actually think that some people say it's a good thing because it's more like a refinement to the tone so you don't get you're not feeling it as much, but you're hearing the tone. Um, but in any case, uh, I remember even in the old HE500, where, you know, with the tr more traditional kind of headband design and everything, if you just took the cups and went like that, it would, y like, you would just get so much bass. It would, it would be crazy. And there were a lot of people who even, like, modified, they would change the pads to add more distance there just so that they would get it more, you know, more bass out of it. Not that it needed it or anything, but... That's what makes me think of, you know, with the HE1, or HE1000 or Hi-Fi-Man Aria, doing that kind of thing where you kind of open it up a little bit. I, I can imagine that not only would you get slammed, but you would also increase the the base frequencies, like the base energy as well. So, but that's... Um... Bring up something along those lines. Um, 
a similar, not similar, but people were mentioning it in the thread earlier. Uh, and I, I think Andrew, I think you've both heard the Empyrean, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't want to make a controversial statement here, but I, I did a quick review of it through uh, a different um, group of people, and I had a, a, a demo unit from uh, a group. But uh, um, to me, like speaking of, it's more in the terms of technicalities and how I perceived it. And I'm curious how you guys did. But like, so to me, when the way that the driver is shaped in that, you can you mm-hmm. pop it open, you can see it has like the, the yeah. unique um, yeah. coils and stuff. So. The way it presented base to me actually it felt like the base was up high and coming down on me if that makes sense and then kind of like it was just it was more up here and around and then down and then the treble and mids were actually low and almost felt like they're being beamed into my ear holes if that makes yeah, sense. did you have that perception before or after you saw the driver uh i had it um Cause I didn't really look at it. Cause you know, I, I don't know if I, I basically just listened to it for a while. And then I was talking to torque about it. Right. And I let him try it. I'm like, Hey, what does this make sense to you? Cause I'm, I'm not. Oh, I'm, I got you. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I was, and so I had him listen to it and I was like, so this is what I perceive. And I let him and he put it on. He was like, <laughs> he kind of had, he did a quick listen and he listened for about, I don't know, like an hour or so. And, uh, and he came back with the, yeah, it's like the bass is coming from a different person. Pers- I, Oh, it would make sense because if you because like actually that is the difference in the driver because as far at least uh, as far as I understand the uh, the trace optimization for treble is in the is is like lower down right mm-hmm. pretty sure like whereas for the base it's the base it, coils are up top and then it has yeah. a spiral for the mids and treble yeah. right right at your ear level or it's, ear hole level it's a fascinating like i love that idea i mean i think that the empyrean the the only downside with the empyrean is that they just didn't use magnets that were strong enough mm-hmm. like they went for comfort over everything yeah. else and, i mean it's, and... it's probably one of the best west best built and looking yeah like ex- and comfort wise comfort like... yeah like it's it is the right it's at the top of that cadence right for comfort to performance but like you know all they needed to do was put it well i say all i mean it's not easy to do this stuff i imagine but if they had put in stronger magnets i think that idea of optimizing the trace for planars i like that's amazing that's just what it should be right um i just felt like the the, the base was a bit, a bit thick and soupy there but um like just it didn't it wasn't as distinct as i would have wanted it to be um i always think like, i always find it's like i want there to be like an actual like shelf i want it to look like a shelf for oh, the base yeah, yeah. not you know kind of the roll into the mids it's mm-hmm. you know like, a, like an actual subwoofer level of like yeah like where, where it's like it gets to like maybe uh well let's say 120 hertz roughly and then it that's where it starts something like that rather than the gradual kind of roll but in any case the the idea of what you know meze is doing with that i think that needs to be explored more I'd lo- like whether it's Meze that does it or somebody else like I'd love to see more because like if you think about it what the planar magnetic diaphragm like the difference between the planar diaphragm and the dynamic one is that the planar diaphragm has the conductors on the diaphragm right that's the trace and so if you have the entire diaphragm moving there in the same way like in an even manner and then it's still optimized for different frequency ranges so treble versus bass like that just it, it it seems like it just makes the most sense but i mean what do i know i'm not an, a headphone engineer scientist <laughs> damn yeah. it jim so you know maybe in the future we'll get a like a meze empyrean 2 or something like that that 
you know puts in stronger magnets or because there's there's multiple there's so many other factors i mean this is something that i'm learning as i'm you know doing more and more of this kind of stuff is that it's not just about the magnets it's not just about you know the diaphragm it's not just about the cup structure and everything it's it's so many different parameters that go on with this kind of stuff that yield you know different results that it, it might not be the magnets and maybe i'm just talking complete nonsense it might have been actually the diaphragm thickness or something like that like it, it could be something completely different that made it you know not as well performing as something else that was at that same price right so i don't know what did you think of the empyrean android <laughs> uh, be as controversial as you want <laughs> uh, i only listened to it for about I don't know, 10 minutes uh, i think tyler brought over a demo unit that we he borrowed from a, a local distributor and yeah that's that's all i'll say it's really comfortable and <laughs> it looks pretty it is one it of the best pretty. looking headphones well built yeah. well built and i like the treble i like the treble and i was just looking at the graph of it and it the graph looks pretty good um, yeah it actually the tonality looks it like it's sound like it doesn't sound like it grass but <laughs> here's, here's a controversial one in the empyrean for you guys so i had the 99 classic neo at the same time Mm -hmm. And to me, and this is going to be controversial, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for it, but to me it sounded like the Empyrean was basically the 99 Classic on steroids. That I sounds that. Sorry, sorry, like the, you know what I mean? Not, not necessarily like the exact sound, but that profile, that... that... I, yeah, I think the only, like the main difference I would notice, I mean, again, just from memory, would be I, I found that the Empyrean's treble had more air, and that, mm -hmm. was, the, that was a drawback on the 99 Classic. Or at least, because I heard the classic, not the Neo, so I don't know actually for the Neo, but for the classic. Almost no difference. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I found that with the classic, the, you know, there was a tiny bit of roll-off there in the treble, whereas the Empyrean, it just had way more of that sort of treble extension and air. Um, and I really, like, I thought, like, yeah, I mean, maybe the detail wasn't where I wanted it to be for the price, but I thought, you know, the, the treble response was great. Um, but I could see, you know, the your, your um, assessment there, like... It, it definitely like the 99 classic they definitely have bass as well <laughs> so but i don't know i actually i kind of like the 99 classic like i don't think it's uh... i actually regret kind of getting rid of mine to be honest yeah this is a, a great little portable kinda... headphones yeah but you got to have the right pads for it you can't have the because there's some pads oh, where yeah. it's just like the bass is just nuts <laughs> where i think that's where the neo the neo comes in from drop as much as i'm not like a big drop fan um i think they had oh no 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 that's the noir you're thinking of the noir sorry not the, yeah, yeah 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 noir sorry thank you the noir yeah. the noir pads i thought were that's that's when i had i had on hand when i had the so uh, period and it'll I be interesting made a difference i have right now for a review a uh a, a, a totally new 99 classic i think the walnut one i Ooh. think and not that i not that i I mean, is it the gold? Is it the gold? Do you have the gold? Um, not sure. No, but I've reviewed the gold one. I, I reviewed that one in the past, and the one that I reviewed, it did have crazy, the, the crazy base pads. But but this is a much newer one, right? This is like now I want to say three years since I reviewed that. So two or three years, something like that, maybe two years. But in any case, that I, I imagine that you know they've probably made some changes to the pads since then. So I, I'm. I, it'll be really interesting to see if this is the same pad as the or if it measures the same as the old one or if it's new you know new pads um because it was one like i think it was a little bit controversial as a result of that uh as well you know people saw the graphs and they're like oh too much bass and it's like yeah that those pads do have too much bass with that headphone <laughs> but 
Um, I guess we could move on from from this. Um, I've kind of exhausted all my questions I have for you. Unfortunately, we can't go with the uh, go to the chat because YouTube comments and chat has been updated recently and it's broken chat functionality. Unless either of you guys can see the chat because I can't. Working now. Oh, it is working. working Sweet. Now, yeah. Okay, not for uh, me though. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna try, try popping I'll, it. I'll, I'll field them for you guys. How okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we might as well get to some. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, I can see it now. All right, so we'll take some questions from from the chat. Uh, if you guys asked questions before, we apologize. We did not see them, uh, but please uh, leave them again, and we'll try and we'll try and answer them. Uh, do you, Do you see anything right away? Audio prod was pretty funny. <laughs> Miss, Mr. Yuckface. <laughs> he, wants, he, wants uh, he wants my unfiltered uh, opinion of it. So I, I was there, so it was pretty hilarious. Like yeah. it was like the <laughs> slow, like it was like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did no justice to that, but that was kind of close. It, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was. I mean, surprisingly, it had a lot of base for uh, being an open back, but mm -hmm. yeah, I thought it was a little muddy, and I don't know, just didn't wasn't what I liked, and kind of missed it for how much it costs. I don't think the was thirty five, and I think that's the key yeah. for the Imperian. I think if they were to come in at like, I don't want to say like undervalue a headphone company because that's just crappy, but like. As they, I will just stick to that. They were just overpriced for what they came in at, right? I mean, I think the at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say the same about the Rye Penta and the 99 Classics is that, you know, they're priced with the consideration that they look pretty cool and mm -hmm. are generally, you know, they're comfortable, you know, like all those other uh, characteristics. They're, they're priced like they're competing with Focal and they do visually and aesthetically, but mm -hmm. not yeah. sound profile-wise. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you look at the Empyrean, the, the quality of the materials to use and the, 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 just the sliding, the way the cup slides down, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The manufacturing cost of that is the pads, the magnet pads. Like, oh, yeah. 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 And then the, the, the billet, uh, like how they cut out the billet for the, the uh, holes, like it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, it looks like something out of, I don't know. Yeah. I almost want one, like, again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just because of how comfortable it, it is. And then the case course. it came in. The case it came in was freaking like I felt like I was some weird special agent man walking in. To yeah. Yeah. With it. Like unfortunately, yeah. like with like the Utopia and and some of the like the Empyrean, probably the SR1A whatnot. You're mm -hmm. being like an early adopter to like a new technology. You're you're paying for mm -hmm. it upfront. And yeah, you're down paying. The, you're paying. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I obviously, you, you get, get that with the iSign. I think the iSign came out at like. Five hundred to a thousand dollars, and then, then they sold enough and figure out how to improve manufacturing. And now, like it's what one one forty nine now for the the cheapest one. So, oh, yeah, that's a, like, you hit on a very key point too. Is like you're paying for the R and D. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> you're paying you, like a lot of the first adopters. You're paying for R and D. Look at video games. Even you can say that about video games. Video games come out at like sixty bucks, and within a month or two, they're down to like 40 bucks or a lot of times early you know, access like, or early access yep. yeah and uh, the cost of tooling uh, i mean I, I work in manufacturing cool. so I, oh, that's, I that's, that's, stuff, like, that's why <laughs> eat the tooling piece like the all the yeah. that that's why i say like you get it like it's it there's there's more to it than just like, like oh let's put a headphone out like <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. i always see some people you know in comments and say like 
I can't believe this costs, you know, this much money. You know, it's just a thing that's like, especially for IEMs, right? It's like, there's no way that costs money, that much money, you know, in, in your man manufacturing costs. And my, my answer is like, well, then do it. Yeah. <laughs> and do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, a uh, good example of that is the vocal erupt guys. Uh, I chatted with them at ZM Festivus last year. Uh, and like, they, they're doing aluminum cups. They're doing beryllium drivers. And like, I mean, they got, I mean, their headphones are really good for gaming, but like, as far as like, I mean, it's a good headphone. It's especially for the price. Uh, their cable is janky as all get out. And, and those guys are awesome, by the way. Like, not, not um, my kind of tuning, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's very controversial. And awesome, but they yeah. tuned it for gaming and that kind of stuff. But uh, like talking to those guys gave me a whole nother respect for like, yeah. okay, go out and do it then. Yeah. <laughs> like those guys at ZM Festivus had boxes that they were like in between chatting with customers for both JDS Labs and for the vocal, were putting cups together and getting them ready to ship out. They're literally <laughs> building them at the event. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's not a simple thing. Like it's crazy. Like it's and they, they gave me a whole new respect for people like even Zach from ZMF and and mm -hmm. and like. It's not a yeah. simple thing to just throw some freaking speakers into a, a cup and go, oh, here's a headphone. Like, it's, it's actually so much more to it. The ZMF stuff, like, it's amazing. The Because there's so much, they're, they're so popular now as well, right? Like, for anybody who's getting into high end headphones, like, ZMF is like, that's one of the brands now, like, one of the main, yeah. you know. And the fact that they're handmade and, you know, it's. I, I'm not sure what their setup is like now, but it's it's pretty amazing. They just got, they just got a new office space. Yeah, yeah. New, like, so yeah. Pretty, I, I can't wait to see what once this whole thing goes down. But like, yeah. so free. Like what you're saying, like ZMF. To me, for me personally, after my journey in audio, however, like I, I went pretty hard for two, three years into audio world, um, and I still to this day I think that honestly, not that it's super old, but the Aeolus is to me, <laughs> like. Yeah. It's in game for most people, if that makes yeah. sense. I think for the average person, like it's expensive headphone, but it, at the end of the day, like if you really needed a one and done headphone, I mean it's it's hard to beat that sound profile. Unless yeah. I mean preference aside, so like unless you prefer, I mean, it's a warm headphone. But like, uh, what what is preference? I don't so, even know. <laughs> <laughs> so like headphones for, are good or they're not. <laughs> so like yeah yeah sorry. Uh, so these are really good, but they're also warm. So to me, I would say if you were going to go, I would say in that tier, I would go Aeolus. Now that I know, I haven't heard the Aria yet, but based on your guys' recommendation, I'd say Aria. So Aeolus Aria. Oh, to um, go to go up, sorry? Like if you're going... I'm just yeah. saying like for the end game for most people. So I'm going to oh, okay. go by yeah. preference. So like for if you want a warmer, all-arounder, uh, I would say Aeolus. If you want a yeah. uh, more analytical, maybe a little more brighter, more jazzy uh, orchestral, yeah, yeah. I'd say Aria. Um, and then try to take what would be like a good neutral middle ground, maybe LCDX, even though it's heavy. Uh, clear, it's a... the clear. I'd say focal clear. clear yeah. Focal clear would be the middle ground between the, the Aeolus and the uh, Aria, I'd say. Yeah, because the focal clear doesn't have that same 5K hertz. Mm -hmm elevation there it's focal clear is one of the best all-arounders i think yeah. for, and I, same I with the uh auteur mm -hmm. oh yeah like people ask me like what's the the like hd6xx upgrade and it's yeah, like focal I, clear or zmf auteur i think those yeah. are the two you know I, like I verite is like a little too colored like to be a 6xx mm -hmm. upgrade right right like verite um, i think i agree with you. i think verite i don't know you might be able to agree with me here um both of you actually i would say the verite is a warmer utopia 
Ooh, interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a wider, a wider, warmer utopia. Not as capable technically, but it's it's right there. It's kind of you know, kind of yeah, dip too. So, like an upper mm -hmm. mid range dip. 3k hertz dip there whereas yeah. utopia is more clarity emphasized there but the thing is like the the verite does so many other things better than the utopia like, like yes. things that i enjoy better like the stage and the just it's a much bigger sound overall doesn't have the bass roll off so utopia might be more detailed and have a more like again clarity focused um frequency response let's say classically neutral i don't know if that's even appropriate uh because <laughs> uh, that really that. isn't Defined, but um, yeah, like I, I I can see where you're coming from when you say like a warmer utopia because it definitely is warmer than the utopia, um, and it, it has a similar uh, yeah yeah and it oh yeah yeah for sure, um, but but it also had like th that's the other thing is like I find that the utopia doesn't have that same again here we go again euphonic character to the mid range it doesn't have that same ah. Uh, Okay, I'm just I can't use words to describe that anymore, but it doesn't have the same mid range. Yeah, it's kinda like we talked about before. Actually I've talked about this to both of you. Um there's that I would say the Utopia has the lean forward yeah, and the Verite yeah. has the lean back. I'm I'm back here, I'm eyes closed, I'm chilling. And yeah. whereas Utopia has I'm engaged, I'm I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah taking it in whereas the the same thing with day like they you you're engaged but it's a different engagement it's that yeah like i'm 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 enveloped whereas the utopia you're drinking your whiskey i'm drinking my my booze well he's I'm... drinking his whiskey regardless but <laughs> i'm actually drinking some venezuelan rum right now but uh nice. i did have some uh, woodford earlier there you go <laughs> but yeah uh -huh. like uh, uh i i do get where you're coming from with it being a warmer a warmer utopia uh, let's see if we can get to some more, a few more of the questions in the chat here. Now that I finally have it open again and everything is working. Um, yes, costs Porter Pros <laughs> with the Axie pads are in game for about ninety nine percent of the people. That's fair. See, it's like funny. It. You were well. You were talking about like the Aria in there, and I actually think that for for a lot of people, the Ananda would be end game. Like so, you know, as I, as a compliment to the uh, to the Aeolus. Right. Uh, dude, I, I agree with you actually, but then there's the uh, LCD GX and the GX. Yeah, of course, the GX is the other one in that. In that and you have it now, right? You have the GX now, Andrew. No, but I'd reviewed it before, okay. and yeah, like it is. It, they're like two sides of, of the coin, right? Of, yeah, our coin in that. You know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. I was gonna grab mine too. I think I have it somewhere. I have both this is my cable that's bigger than the actual headphone. <laughs> but and, and I will agree with you actually. Uh, the Ananda shock. Like I was going into it uh not really expecting to like it if that makes sense yeah uh and a lot, a lot of people think it's like brighter than it actually is like they think and, it's like you know and it's it is bright it is bright it's just not like even compared to the gx it's not that much brighter like the gx it's, uh, is, it, it's a little u-shape with a bass and treble elevation a little bit yeah like, it it's it, i think the weird part for me was was that we mentioned it before is that um and uh, I think Luckin, uh, Luckenbach talked about it. Uh, and so it has this, the timber. The timber is what's, I think, for me, like, I didn't really think about it until he mentioned the question, and I had to, like, really dive into yeah. it. And I was like, that's what it is. That's the, the thing that it, it, it does, the analytical separation of yeah. the instruments, where it's like, and it does it so, I hate to word, use the word sharp. Like, sharp to me is a negative sometimes. It, it mm -hmm. I don't think it is a negative, but it, it's... It can be yeah. negatively 
but like well, it's that, just yeah. sharp like precise like it just mm-hmm. separates the instruments and it, it gives this i don't know it almost it's a very that's why unique... i like the uh the the optics analogy where it's like you're you know using something like the ananda is like a, i mean that was uh, to describe something else but you know the ananda is like that prime lens where it's able mm-hmm. to you know gives you that really clear very sharp image and you know we could talk about micro contrast and image fidelity and all that stuff for the photography nuts is another part of optics that you know we can evaluate separately from sharpness right and i think when looking at something like the anatomy I mean, well just what you were talking about with timbre you know all those odyssey headphones they don't sound like the hi-fi man headphones in any way <laughs> it's like almost every category is different i find um yeah so i mean there are similarities i suppose but the timbre is very different. I mean, you yeah. can say similarities are the you can you can do that to any headphone across the the the, the tier list from. The, but at the same the time, player. like a lot of the ZMF headphones, there is a, a recognizable aspect to them, you know. Yeah. So, and I think maybe one of them is the timbre, but um, yeah. I wanted to get to the uh, so, somebody asks here, Pinnacle P1 best value under two hundred dollars. I think this is gonna be for you, Android. <laughs> I've actually never tried it, so I. You haven't? Okay, no. I I can't comment on that one either but it looks i saw the graph and it looked okay it looked better than the um cl2 right yeah Uh, so i I guess my favorite under 200 uh i actually just released a podcast this week on uh on my website Mm -hmm. um a group of us four four of us who who do this podcast that that host you have though he's kind of weird i don't know (laughs) I'm, I'm, i'm getting rushed don't don't flame me (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh so we had a, we released a, a podcast with covering actually the best under 100 under 500 and for for me personally under 200 i think the etymotic er2 or er3 series are are probably the best overall and if you don't like that deep fit then probably one of the moon drop iems i call it starfield right. yeah starfield would be a good one or, or blessing too if if you are up in that higher price tag. It's a little bit higher, yeah. Or yeah. the KXXS or the Kanos Pro. Oh yeah, right. Those are those are the, the other ones that fall in there as well. Yeah. Yep. How much is the Blessing 2 these days? Like if you were to buy it from I think you could buy it like a Shenzhen Audio or somewhere else like shipped from Taiwan or from uh, Hong Kong. Uh 319? Yeah, 319 US. Yeah, okay. That's still like I mean, I I'll be reviewing it here soon, but but from what I you know I've already heard it and three nineteen is crazy for that. It's a good price. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll have to check out that podcast because um, I knew you guys were doing it, but I didn't get the full rundown of the uh, you know the different price brackets. That's yeah. is it focusing on like IEMs for that specifically or? Yeah, just IEMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to bring yeah. headphones, but the other guys don't listen to headphones that much, so they There's a... just kind of like eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> man <laughs> See, the, the iem the iem crowd there's a lot of people who like the iem form factor is is the only thing that they can use you know yeah. it, it, in game your tip for iem aunt aunt you gave this to me <laughs> the sony hybrid <laughs> i thought it was the uh asla that you showed earlier i did have the i have the aslas also i have yeah. the uh i have a bunch of them actually i've been using actually those are my new preferred tips for the mest and the and drop actually just in general there's i after i had them i had i bought a bunch of the different types and uh i think these are the the medium uh focus focus mm-hmm. um medium hard medium normals or shorts or medium 
I can't remember. But it's the the normal ones, the standard ones. What do what are the tips? What's the general character of the tips? Like, what do they do to the for, to the like usually like for example, foam tips will kind of curb the yeah. troubles trouble frequency a little bit. Yeah, that that's uh, there's so many. I have like two hundred, maybe two or three hundred tips. <laughs> I can just imagine you with boxes. I, I'm pretty sure I spent more money on tips than I have on IEMs. Um, yeah, Crazy. Like, like I have just three boxes here, and I have like the drawer back there. I have like full of just tips. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, let's see, like the spin fits are my favorite. Sh show me, show me your tips. These are my favorite right here. <laughs> Look at these tips. These are—they're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the ones that Tyler's showing, those ones, Critical recommended. You, I'm using oh, the chat room God. right now. These um, are amazing. Like, so you you told you turn yeah, I guess the chat the, the, the but I think yeah, these are great. These are what I use on my mest and my so, Andromeda. Sorry, what 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 is it? That, so, for example, on the Andromedas, what do they do compared to like the silicon ones? Uh, so the, it, yeah, I'll leave that to Ant. You're better. Yeah, at this the, the are. Um, they come in different sizes. I've only tried the light version. The light version is super thick, so I, okay. I can't imagine how thick the uh, regular version is. But um, so it's got a, a thicker wall. So this is just a spin tip, but I'm not sure how well you can see it. But this wall thickness here is much thicker. Actually, mm -hmm. I have it right here. Um, so you can see the difference in the thickness of the walls. Yeah. Um, so this is like, for whatever reason, this seems to give me a lot more base impact. These sedna. Interesting. And then the spin fits are probably neutral, bright sounding. Hmm. Um, I'll have to. Yeah. If you can fire me a link to that afterwards, I'll put them in the description for those. Yeah. Uh, the spin so. fits are my favorite because they they're really flexible. So hmm. it's kind of hard for me to show, but they can rotate at the very tip. Right. And so they, for me, I have like a, my right ear canal has a pretty sharp bend and it's kind of shallow. So having that, that flexibility uh, makes it really comfortable for me. And then so it's like, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say Tyler was saying something. Uh, we, I missed what you. I really like the spin fits, but for whatever reason, I, I had the same issue. Like I actually have two different type spin fits for one from my left to one from my right. <laughs> you guys have the most like I, asymmetrical ears here. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but I will say that as the as the Sednas, I just have this uh, flat. I think it's the medium short, soft, medium soft, uh, and short, soft short. Uh, so it's the the gray outer. I don't have them handy with me right now, but like uh, they're on my the uh, mess and they're in the living room. But uh, like those are just I don't know. Like they just fit perfectly the bore size, so it's similar to the. Uh, for me, it was the spiral dots. So that's the mm. thing with like the ant. You 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 know what I'm talking about like the the bore size factors into like how how much covers up the the the, the output yeah. basically. The, yeah. And so um, I like it when they're super wide. Um, and the Asla's have that wider one. Here's a yeah. so Asla versus a super fast spin or a spiral. So yeah. So here's uh, it's hard to see, but here is a spiral dot, and then the Asla. Yeah, um, the spiral dots are super wide. Yeah, super wide. And they, and I, these really, are my favorites for really a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't so, like them because they make it too bright. 
And it yeah. does depend on the IEM you're using, of course. But see, that's the yeah. thing too. Like, it's it's amazing how much of a difference the tips make on different IEMs. Yeah. Someone was asking earlier, what are my thoughts on the uh, A8000? And like, I, I don't have thoughts on it yet because I like, there, I'm just trying out different tips on it, <laughs> right? Like, there's, yeah, there's significantly I, I, measurable differences too. If you if you exactly, get... yeah. Um, but I was gonna say with the A8000, um, Crin, I know you're in the chat somewhere. Um, I need you to measure that one because, uh, <laughs> uh, like, to me, it sounds like there's a pretty sharp peak there in the treble. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't know if it's exactly 5k, but maybe six, maybe between five and 6k somewhere around there. Um, and it kind of throws off the trouble a little bit, but I'd be curious to get, uh, you know, also your take on it, um, you know, uh, for the detail that it has as well in comparison to something like Luna, right? Because it is that Berlin driver. The other thing that I noticed about this, I mean, apart from the sound quality, is that the back of the, oh, sorry, I don't know if you guys can see this, but the back of the IEM here, it's a little bit like a, a sharp corner. I find that I actually do feel that like kind of, in the on the back of my ear where it's where it sits um so it, interesting nonetheless but that's why i don't like about the campfire the, the old campfire. The, yeah 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 they have that same kind of you know jagged yeah. kind of design yeah you know yeah. what's funny about the campfire and drama is like the i think i had the version two or three uh og green ones um those were the most comfortable for me for whatever reason outside of uh actually ant the one you recommended to me and i use them for working out the bgvp DMGs, the sure, blue yeah. ones. Yeah. Those are the most comfortable. But then the Andromedas, for whatever reason, just they seem to, even though they have that sharper edge, fit right. For Don't the newer right. Andromedas didn't they smooth the edge there on they the did. newer ones? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think they made the nozzle longer too. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the golds. So I have the golds, and those yeah. the nozzles different. I actually, to be honest with you, I actually prefer the OG to be honest to the Andromeda. Oh, I like the new design a lot better. <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like the, the things going too far in my ear. I think that's when I start getting too. That's uh, why I can't deal with the the etymotic stuff. But apparently, there's a way to make them less violating. <laughs> I call it ear rape. They just released double flange tips today, I believe. Uh, or is it okay? Ones. That yeah yeah. So that they're they're so, expensive. Yeah. They're like twenty five dollars for a pack, but um, ah, I mean, but I think you get ten of them. If I remember. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah, that's worth it. Edmonds, you went four for fifteen. Well, it's it's funny because like the like Edmonton also makes stuff that's not yeah. just the headphones. They make like ear protection stuff and you know all that kind of stuff. So they, I'm sure they they're you know fairly knowledgeable when it comes to comfort as well. I got another live demo for you. <laughs> all right. These are my Edmonton tips. <laughs> So right here's your normal silicone tip. See, it's oh, wow. like really stiff. Yeah. Um, I bought these. This is kind of contradictory, but I bought long stem tips. So oh, wow. they're actually like significantly longer. Yeah, they're bigger. It looks like they're, they're wider. Uh, yeah, they're like that. Yeah. But I like how flexible. Oh, yeah. That makes, so, I think that makes a difference. That makes a with big difference. That, with that other style, does that mean you just don't have to insert it as far? Because that's the biggest problem that I think most people have with them is that you got to, in order to get the frequency response to be right, you got to really get them in there. And I, well, so, I still insert it pretty far in, but it yeah, helps. Yeah. It helps me get around like the the yeah. first bend a little bit better. Okay, all right. I guess that makes sense because you're still because it's still producing sound in like that same shape. Yeah. Right. So it's not affecting it all that much. Um, let's see. Um, 
Do you guys have a... Okay, here's one. Um, do you have a favorite foam tip? <laughs> Not really. I just don't like foam tips. <laughs> it's just going to be foam tips. I, I, I'm not a big foam tip either. guy either. Uh, I would say the 10... 10 uh, the 10 oh, the tips tip. that come with the tim, yeah. Yeah, I, like the ones cool. that come stock. Those were, have been like the best foam tips I've used outside of the Dakoni ones, I believe. Yeah, so I was going to say Dakoni for me, but the... Like, I, I am a foam tip guy. Like, I do not like the silicon tips only because I like I recognize the the benefits of this of the silicon tips but at the same time I don't like if like when you're walking around the seal that it's created there's always like this weird pressure change when oh. you're walking around with them whereas foam tips you don't get that as much um, just because they're they're porous already um, so you don't get the pressure change issues but if you're, I guess if you're like sitting down yeah then the silicon ones are the way to go um, let's see uh see if there's anything else is, is there anything else in the chat that yes you, you... so martin just mentioned something about the foam tips uh yeah i had the same problem with one of my foam tips on um, the t2s i believe where what i had them it? in for too long and uh i went to take them out and i took them out and they just fell apart and disintegrated in my ears <laughs> so they were, like horrible because i left them in too long yeah, they, they also get real yeah. nasty after a while <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. probably the 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 10 but they're to me they were the best foam tips as far as like seal and like comfort um yeah. but yeah they just got disintegrated within like probably a couple of weeks month yeah they, i think you're supposed to change them out every three weeks or so yeah so. yeah um what did you think okay uh android what did you think of okay two questions for you first what did you think of the starfield i haven't listened to it okay yeah I should probably I send you like every other moon drop, not that one. <laughs> okay, I should probably send you the Starfield, get your uh, get your review as well. Um, and then the other question: This is totally unrelated to IEMs, but has have either of you guys heard the Clipsch Heritage Three? It's that uh, that Dallas Miller headphone or fifteen hundred dollars. It was like it's a wooden one. I think it's around that, around around a thousand. I think. No, I haven't. I haven't heard it either. No. Um, but it uses a Fostex Fostex driver, I think. That's like oh. just it's. I think it's like the like the Denon and Fostex and all those. Yeah, I think it's biosolidos. Uh, let's see. Uh, you, uh, hey Android, this is you have an Aria next to you. What do you think of the Ananda compared to the Aria? There, there you go. <laughs> uh, I haven't listened to the Ananda in a long time, so I don't. I never actually compared them side by side. Hey, do you want me to send you these uh, these ones? I can talk to to some okay. folks. <laughs> sure, why not? You, you know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> we, we all know the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that GX. I thought I was special. This week, too. So. You're, you're what's that? I could have brought my GX to you, too, man. I, I can make a, a nice drop-off for you, Ant. Oh, you could have yeah. done the GX, the mess. Max, the Nanda. Send me the GX. This is the so, so yeah, <laughs> Western, North, Western North America loner tours from Darth Purple. <laughs> Only if you're local to the uh, northwest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got these social distancing though. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, I I can give a bit of a take on the Ananda versus the Aria. Uh, for me, the Ananda actually has the better frequency response, but the Aria does have better technical performance. Um, it, like, to me, the biggest difference that I noticed was in terms of depth, stage depth, and detail retrieval. Uh, the, the frequency response is pretty close for them. The only real difference that I noticed was the 5k hertz elevation on the Aria was a little stronger, and then there's also a little bit more emphasis at 9k hertz, but I don't know because the 
like my rig's not accurate enough where I can be like, yeah, it has a better elevation at 9K. Uh, so, but but the way that it sounds is it's a little bit uh, more aggressive on the sibilant tones like the S's and F's and T's and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it's not enough where it would be bothersome. I don't think it's all that bad. Um, so the Ananda's just a little bit smoother there in that um, that range. But I would take the Aria over the Ananda for sure. Like, I think it's worth the upgrade. I have a question real quick for both of you, actually. Uh, and this might work well to the, the chat. Um, so would you call the... Because I have zero experience with the Aria, but I have mm -hmm. the Ananda obviously on hand. But the Aria, would you say that is similar to like an HD800S or SDR modded HD800? Mm, it's definitely... Uh, uh, minus tonality, <laughs> minus some of the, the... But like as far as like stage, let's go... Let's just specify stage. For stage, mm -hmm. oh, I think the HD eight hundred S probably has a wider stage. It's a different type of presentation. Like I, I find the Aria. I don't know. Maybe you find it different, Android. But like for me, the Aria and the Ananda were both more forward mm -hmm. and depth. Well, like yeah, forward presence. Whereas the HD eight hundred was more like lateral presence. Like yeah, more this way. But um, yeah, I think in some ways the stage characteristics like. Um, and separation and all that stuff because you do get pretty good separation there with those ones as well i think they'd be similar in that sense but i, I wouldn't say you know completely that the aria is like a planar hd800s because i think that the aria is still a more agreeable frequency response than the hd800s and it also has better bass extension tubes. yeah i think it's probably the closest to the hd yeah like i don't know what else there would be <laughs> to yeah. compare so, that's kind of where i was going it was like as, as far as like planars versus dynamics yeah. let's have about that so planar to dynamics is the HD 800 SSDR uh, versus the Aria the similar like would that be what you would put on a platter and say if you had to choose between planar and dynamics? <laughs> um, yeah, because you wouldn't want to uh, you wouldn't want to do that with the Focal Clear because the clear no, is different. No, clear is <laughs> yeah. So probably yeah, probably. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? What was the question? <laughs> if you had to pick between, like, say, if you were to think of a dynamic driver equivalent to the Aria, would the HD800 S oh, be yeah. the closest? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, Can't I think really that's think of anything else off the top of my head. Yeah, um, but also like, as far as like synergy goes and what you're pairing it with, um, I, I don't know how well the Aria would do on tubes, because I don't think it's as efficient as the Ananda. I never um, had problems with it actually on tubes. Yeah. Um, it sounds fine to me. Uh, it actually kind of benefits from smoothing out that 5K. Right, I was going to say, that's the other... Yeah, that's the biggest thing I've noticed, like, going down the tube rabbit hole. is like, all the things that bother me in treble, like, areas, it fixes it with tube amps. <laughs> so. Actually, that's a good, good jump-off thing to go into. I'm not sure if anybody else has any questions. But, like, so, for, for tubes, to yeah. me... Uh, the HD800, for instance, is it's it's a great headphone, sure, and it's you know it's a little bit past its prime to some degree, um, but don't tell Crin. <laughs> <laughs> it's but like it. So I've tried to sell my HD800 a couple times now. Like, right, and by sell, I mean I put it on my head and I I go through the 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 whole like I put on my monitor, I put it on my. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call it too high red, but my KNHA1A, and then I put on my uh, 
bottle head crack with speedball, and I'm just like, never mind, put it back in the case. Like to me, yeah. there's so there's something about the H800 with tubes that just yeah. it it. Oh, man, it's just hard to be so it's similar to what you had with the Verite opens with the pendant. So if you can imagine, like in fact, yeah. by the the Verite ZMS with the uh, bottle head. Yeah, it's dewy, but it's. <laughs> I'm still like I'm still like on the fence. Maybe I want to get a pendant because man, like I'm addicted to that. Like I love that, and now that I you know I gave the amp back, <laughs> I'm missing it. <laughs> yeah. Would you buy it with the wood or without the wood? Oh, without without. Um, not, not that I like the. I think the wood looks great, but I really like the way that it looks like kind of all black with the tubes lighting up. I think that contrast is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was a question here. Oh yeah, um, from Tommy Zhu. Uh, Empyrean or Verite, considering comfort. All right, now this is this is an interesting question because oh, I think most of us would probably say Empyrean. Correct me if I'm wrong for comfort, right? I think Empyrean is the more comfortable headphone. Yeah. But if you take the Verite and you do what I've done, which is add this like this is the lobe strap from the old uh, Odyssey LCD two. If you add that strap. This is one of the most comfortable headphones that I've ever had, or the ZMF Pilot Pad, or I don't know which one that is. Is it just a it's different way strap? Yeah, yeah. So you can get the because the straps for like they come with a default kind of rubber strap, and it does or you help my my Aeolus ridiculous ZMF suede super yeah. strap with suede. Pads. Yeah. So like when you add this the like custom straps and stuff like that, they become some of the most comfortable headphones. Like I wear I can wear this for like 2 days straight if I wanted to <laughs> without getting tired, you know. And they're not the lightest headphones, but they're not that heavy anymore. Like they with the magnesium chassis and everything, they they you know, I think they're yeah. Uh, well, around like just over 400 grams or something like that they're they're reasonably light uh yeah, by, by comparison are the and holes already pre-punched or do you have to you have to modify that on on on, on tyler's yeah or are you asking on this one yeah on yours uh yeah. there oh there aren't any holes in it on this one. Oh, okay yeah, you could, if you wanted to, you could add holes to it as well. But, like, I didn't actually, like, take anything, like, off. Like, uh, like I took the original strap off of this one. But then with the lobe strap, you can, it just has these, like, little, um, uh, little string pieces that you can just attach it oh, to. So, I see. yeah, I see. you don't need to actually modify it all that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let me grab my, yeah. my HD-800s to give you an idea of someone else mentions they use the pilot pad on things yeah but like i actually think the verite is more comfortable than the ananda <laughs> like with my you know uh, setup that i've got for it so um yeah pilot pad is a heavenly pillow exactly like you know there's all kinds of stuff you can do with the verite that makes it really really comfortable and not just the verite like any of the zmf headphones i think um but this is my HD 800 with SDR mod. I actually took <laughs> off the top part and put the leather ZMF pilot pad with the Deconi uh, hybrids. That is the most modified HD 800. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got SDR mod as well, right? Yeah, SDR mod as well. Yeah. Yep. And so the and so to me, like the next step is to basically paint them purple. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To a head fly meet because. Everyone at the headside meet has the HD800, and yeah, it's like yeah. the default headphone there. See, 
like I still think it's competitive for detail retrieval. Like I still oh, think it, that ring radiator driver is like not like the HD eight hundred not, but like with the SDR mod, like just because of the base extension that you lose with mm -hmm. the original HD eight hundred. But with the SDR mod or like the HD eight hundred S, actually I think the SDR mod of HD eight hundred is probably better than the HD eight hundred S. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've heard I prefer the colorway and aesthetics of the HD eight hundred S, but as far as yeah. like sound, it's it's minimal, but I think that the the detail is better, and then the base it, it's just it just has a the base is slightly better, and everything just seems to be just that tight bit better than the S, if that makes sense. Like it's it's nothing like I hate to use percentage again, but like I'd say it's probably like a five percent better, <laughs> if that makes sense, ten yeah. percent better. Um, but it just it seems like it's it. If you put oh, one just... on back to back. It, the SDR mod has a better profile to it. Yeah, um, I just gotta correct something here. So last round it says uh, Verite Magnesium is 500 grams. Please get back to us in one year after wearing it daily. <laughs> Neck injury guaranteed. So I actually have worn this for over a year and I wear it daily and there's no problems. This is super Mine's, easy to wear. Um, but I, yeah, I was gonna say it's not actually 500 grams, but yeah. I think yeah. you can probably get a different wood that would, because depending on the type of wood that you get, that'll change the weight, right? So and this also the grill and uh, and the grill and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, so I specifically like there's ones that you can get. I think there were some that were like 600 grams even as well. So like I specifically got the one that was like the lightest that I could possibly get, and it was yeah. like just over 400 grams. So I will do you guys a solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you got the very closed right now. <laughs> Let's do this. So, this is a heads up measuring. Is it calibrated? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, well, he's also got the cables on there, too. <laughs> I have no batteries. One sec. Me pull wait, wait. But, but what's the wood for your Verite closed? Well, and also, is the wood the ash wood right? What's, what's that? I mean, you have the ash wood. I have the ash wood, yeah. The ash wood. Yeah. But purple oh, ash. Yeah. The purple ash extra weight, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I yeah, just going off of what the what the official like specs are on the site for the I got this is the silkwood I think uh, for this yeah, one. Silkwood. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just over four hundred grams for that one. Um, I and like I do think like I'm really sensitive to heavy headphones. Like I can't deal with um, yeah, but, you know, as, as much as I'm sure Sankar would hate me saying it, I can't deal with most Odyssey headphones that are like the the higher end ones. And I wish I could, you know, that's. <laughs> It's it's a challenge for me. I think headphone weight should kind of like stop at 500 grams. Like even the Final Audio D8000, like the D and the D8000 Pro, like those, they're just over five. I think they're like 540 grams or something like that, and they're too heavy for me. So, how heavy is the Utopia? Because that was like a little yeah heavy. yeah. It's it's I think it's barely under 500 grams, but it is closer. I think it's heavier than the Verite. Yeah, like don't quote me on that. 450 is like yeah. Yeah, I want, I want to say so. Actually, that's a perfect example. I think that the the Verites were heavier than my VCs, so I don't I don't actually need to put this up on the things. I need one more battery. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. I would say, yeah, I want. I recall the Utopia being slightly heavier for whatever reason than yeah. my even my VCs. Uh, but I do have like Antlers and I have the Ashwood, so that's they're lighter than the Monkey Pod. Yeah, actually, um, just so you guys know, I mean, there's. Uh, a new uh, Utopia SKU that came out that has that comes with the carry case. I'm not. I, I have it here, and I'm going to do an unboxing. So we'll see what it actually comes with. But I don't think they actually changed anything to the Utopia. I think the headphone is exactly the same. Don't quote me on this. We'll find out. But my guess is they added the case, and I think there's a different cable. 
well, yeah, Utopia cables are uh, make it heavy. Yeah, yeah the Utopia exactly. cables are make, the factor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 200 grams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exaggerate, by the way. Uh, okay, recommend a pad swap for the Aria. I I, I wouldn't. I is, I don't know if that actually. Swap? Well, because like I don't know if any exists to be honest. Yeah, yeah like I think are. people may have been doing that, but I don't know if the sound would change all that much because they're so. I don't know if they are dependent on a seal to get the frequency response to be right. Um, I mean, obviously they're very open as well, but like you know, some headphones they require a seal even though they're open back, and for the Aria, like because of the elongated shape to the um to the cup i don't know if it quite requires that same kind of seal that you would get with you know like a mr speaker's headphone sorry dan clark headphone. <laughs> i just want to mention that too before earlier on the aeon 2 opens um i yeah. know you have you heard you've heard those andrew right i heard they're closed closed um and apparently they have a very similar frequency response to the opens, like they're the same kind of thing. The question in my mind is like, if they sound the same, why would you get the open one? Yeah. Like I, I, I agree. But maybe there are advantages that we're not seeing because we don't, like I haven't actually tried the open one, right? So maybe it is, it sound, maybe it sounds more open or more spacious or whatever, right? But I thought the whole point of it was to make it so that it was more the same kind of sound. So I don't know. Um, but hopefully I'll get a chance to review and compare those two side by side in the near future because in my mind, like anybody who wants a lightweight planar, th those are the best. Like yeah. <laughs> those are, they're so light and they're so comfortable. So yeah. Um, oh, controversial time. Uh, I see something about catheters in the, in the chat and what? so I'm assuming hi-fi man <laughs> uh, cables. What? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh man. Oh, cat. Yes. <laughs> These are the most ridiculous cables. Yeah, <laughs> they I, I, they're light at least, um, but and they they don't why? really, yeah. Yeah, they so they don't reckon... tangle all that much, you know. But yeah, my recommendation is if you buy a full cow. Hi-Fi Man, or it's aftermarket cable. Yeah, just buy a different cable. Yeah, add that add that to your uh, your budget. Yeah. the cost. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like, I'm not a fan of the Focal cables either. They look nice. They look much better, but they are stiff. Oh yeah, rectangular. Yeah. I don't and even know how that's weird, possible. Like, like yeah, Z shape thing when you try yeah to... <laughs> always yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's take a few more questions and then we'll call it because it's been already like over an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's yeah, been like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, we'll take one more question here. Uh, Andrew, I'll let you pick it. I am not even paying attention to the chat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right to put you on the spot. <laughs> or maybe you could ask us a question, Ant. Give me an easy one. Um. Uh... Let's see. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay, give me a tough one. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Oh, it's separate. I wouldn't. I, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Berryman asked if the hi fi shops will survive in the US if this goes on much longer. That's a different topic. I would. <laughs> so, uh, Anthony Berryman, I think yes. Uh, but at the same time, I think there will be a significant loss of some of the headphone shops in the world, yes. But I think most will survive if they're online. Yeah, I think too. too some of the stuff that companies are doing like the like the luna that i got 
recently. There a lot of companies are doing tour units now. And I think you're going to be doing that more often now that the stores are either closed or yeah, because you can't go in and... or whatnot. Yeah, you're going to rely more on like the reviewer and the headphone community to get the word out. So that's the other thing that I've noticed is like you know, most businesses are kind of um, suffering from all of this stuff, but the demand for headphones has just gone up. So I don't know if headphone uh, shops in the U.S. are going to be as like as long as they can ship online, right, to somewhere. I think you know there's still going to be demand. The bigger question in my mind is going to be like when the supply chain gap hits, what oh, do we do? Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be everybody though. So that's yeah, why I everybody. Right? Like for every industry, there's going to be some sort of gap that happens when they don't have enough stock for you know whatever the demand is. We're seeing it with we, the meat market in the U.S. Yes, right to now. say, and in Canada, we got like the, there's apparently our like foods. What's that? Red flour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and so grocery, yeah, grocery stores are going to be feeling that. Um, I want to see if there's any other like audio related question. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, here's here's a good one from Fei Long. Um. Guilty pleasure IEMs or headphones? Now, I think he means what are the guilt? What would you say for guilty pleasure IEMs and guilty pleasure headphones? That's I I I, I can start real quick just because I have them already readily available that I use at my bedside at night every night. Yeah. Uh, my guilty pleasure headphone is a closed back. Well, hold, hold on, because we have to qualify. Guilty pleasure means that you know that it's not as good as. Oh no! I fully yeah, okay. I fully okay. grasp it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, and it's something I use at night, and it's my campfire audio, Cascades. Okay, yeah, that qualifies. That's my guilt. (laughs) I use that for watching movies or late night listenings with my iPad uh, before bed um, if I don't have my KN with me. Uh, Or if my Switch, I'm playing video games late at night or something like that. That's my my guilty pleasure closed back headphone. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, Anthony. Well, uh, I don't know what that would be for me for headphones, um, but for like IEMs, right now I'm wearing earbuds, like the old school earbuds. Is that uh, the uh, VE Monks? <laughs> or no, no. These, what? Are, these are actually Bear Dynamics. Uh, I didn't know they oh. made earbuds, but I found it online. They're Bear, Bear Dynamic DP100. I have no idea if this is real or fake, but they are decent sounding. They actually have sub bass down to like 20 hertz. No, and also the... The Yin Crow X6 earbuds. Also, these are like uh, seven dollars. They're awesome. And then, and then also Galaxy Buds. Okay. Like, the the Galaxy Buds is your guilty pleasure. Where, <laughs> where do you buds. think like the the crossover for like wired to wireless happens? Like, you know, obviously you're sacrificing a lot when you go to when you make it wireless. But like, do you think there's like a wire? So I know there's another question, but like. Say you have the Galaxy Buds, where would that fit as far as like wired IEMs? I well, yeah, I don't know. Um, like a wired IEM equivalent. Well, they they're Harman target, so they're they're probably gonna be close to like a moon drop, uh, with maybe a little bit worse like detail, and whatnot. But I personally, for like for like me, I under under a thousand dollars, I'm okay with using. The Galaxy Buds over anything else. Under a thousand dollars. 
I am. Okay, that's I, I I get your point. Like that, it makes a lot of sense because it's like if you have where the performance starts to get into the crazy, you know, uh, where yeah. the, where the differences start to be more important. Um, I think for me, the guilty pleasure. Just gonna get back to that one. The guilty pleasure, uh, guilty pleasure IEMs would be like the kind of V-shaped ones, like the um, like the Solaris, for example, or the um, yeah, I'd say Solaris is a, is a, is it's not as V-shaped actually. It's a, it's more balanced, but um yeah i find that to be kind of the guilty pleasure one because it i like it, it was almost like okay yeah the base wasn't as well defined as i wanted it to be and like it had all these things that i was like eh, it's not quite where i want it to be but i still really enjoyed using it i still really enjoyed listening to it and the other one would be like you know the empire years valkyrie stuff like that where it's like i know it has peaks and i don't like the peaks but i still like listening to it <laughs> uh for for headphones um probably Okay, this is going to be again a bit controversial, but I think it's like the um, I, I actually think it is the Verite, <laughs> but I use it more than anything else. Outside <laughs> um, of guilty pleasure, <laughs> so it's, I say it's guilty pleasure because just because of the dip there at three K hertz, right? Yeah. So it's like I know that you know, like say if I compare it's it to natural. the yeah, like if I compare it to the Ananda, right? I maybe yeah. I'm cheating a bit. Maybe that doesn't count, but like that's the thing. Okay, no, actually, I take it back. It's not the Verite. It's definitely the Allegia. It's the Elysia. Elysia. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's still my one of my all-time favorites of the last year. I mean, yeah. as, yeah. as far as I, most I, viewed. Yeah. Um, there's stuff, like, and that's the thing, like, with closebacks, I think, as well. It's like, because there are certain limitations to closebacks, like, uh, so far, the only closeback that I think is, like, actually competitive with the open back uh, is probably the Verite closed, I think. Maybe the, uh, maybe the, oh, it's on my shirt, Stelia. My guilty pleasure app right now. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's this huge. That's not really. That's like a portable amp. Like it's just, <laughs> that's yeah, Rush, bigger than Rush the like, bigger than yeah, the Rush, Rush is asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, Andrew, what were you saying? I don't know what I was saying. Oh, okay. oh sorry, I, I, I have to. Uh, would be like the, the Fostex for me. Oh. Oh yeah. Purple Heart. For me, it would be a yeah. guilty pleasure too. Yeah, Definitely. but I, I, see, but see, the Stelias, like you're saying, uh, I think that as much as those are a guilty pleasure, they're they're so good that is it really a guilty pleasure? Well, that's that's the problem with the Verite as well, right? It's like it's like it's not really a guilty pleasure because it's actually good. Like I I would legitimately <laughs> say that it's a good headphone, it's a great headphone. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really I don't feel bad saying that I like I like the Verite, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, the Allegia is one where I think it's like it's it's like almost uncompromisingly mid forward uh if i could describe it that way but it is still like yeah i think it's just because of the close back limitations oh sorry go ahead i was just saying i think be only because of the close back limitations there that you like that i say yeah i like for a close back yeah i, I really like it um so and i, I use I it the, all the time i agree with you i think that the legia to me and i was talking to torque about this not torque from the iam world um and I think it's because there was a sub, like a reason it wasn't so well accepted was because people were expecting a bass heavy oh. headphone. And I think when when and it's not, it's 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 a very neutrally headphone. Uncompromising. It just so, sounds yeah. good. It's just it's not going to wow you. It's not going to be anything that kicks off like a major like like the HE100 has the wide sound stage or like the um, 
ZMS have more of the mid forward. Like there's nothing that stands out, I guess. It's kind of like a Goldilocks headphone to me. And I think mm. that was the problem with it, if that makes sense, which is such a ridiculous problem to have. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think the problem is that it's too mid forward, but I know that there's a lot of people who really like that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then also the fact that it's a closed back. <laughs> like, yeah. It just doesn't sound as clean, you know, like, yeah, with What's Alicia, I, I owned it for, I don't know, six six or months or so, and it was great for using at the office just because yeah. it was closed back, and it's it it does sound not correct, but yeah. Yeah. it works well for, like, I can multitask with it all day long and, yeah. and forget, forget about time, just listening to music and enjoying it. And it's got that yeah. punch, got that slam. Mm -hmm. I, that's exactly most of my use case with Alicia was the same as Ant. I had it mostly in the office type deal. Yeah. No. Um, I think. Wait, I saw another one that I wanted to answer, but I think we're probably gonna have to leave it for next one. Cause oh yeah, no, just somebody says the guilty pleasure would be the Nighthawk. Yeah, I <laughs> don't know if I would even call that a pleasure. I don't know. Like those are headphones that uh, 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 Andrew sure. said it best. At, not me, but the other Andrew uh, said it best. That you know the, the Audio Quest headphones are the sort of the cilantro of. Um, of headphones <laughs> there's yeah, some like people that. who really like it but some people really <laughs> hate it um and it's funny because i think i've seen both sides right like i can understand why people really like that headphone but i can also understand why a lot of people don't <laughs> it's so. comfortable it is yeah i still have the night owl it's back there um so maybe that's the guilty pleasure but i don't really use it that often like i don't I'll take it out when I'm evaluating sources, and I'm also I also take it out to get a sense of what you know less ideal frequency responses are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going back to that after listening to an R or an Anda for a while, it's like oh yeah, there's a reason why this stuff is better. Um, okay, we should probably leave it there because we've been going for like two and a half hours now, so <laughs> that's gonna be a challenge to upload this as a podcast. Uh, but I will try and upload this as a podcast, and then I'll link it below in the description. Uh, I should probably let everybody know at the beginning of the shows actually from now on so that they can see that stuff when they're watching it in the future. But in any case, um, yeah, uh, big thank you to uh, Android. I've left his uh, website there in the description as well. Uh, and a big thank you to Darth Pool. For anybody who's wondering, uh, join us on the Headphone Community Forum. Link is also in the description. And, you know, um, chime in on anything else that you see there in the, uh, in the forum as well. Uh, but yeah, for us, uh, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye for now. Okay. Good, guys. Bye.